and welcome to StarkCast. I'm Joe Stark, and today I'm talking with my good friend, Dr. James Wetzel. How are you doing in this time of isolation, my friend? I'm living my best life. Thanks for asking. <laughs> you got an awesome <laughs> setup, though. I, I've been to your setup. You got a lot of toys to play with. Yeah, they do well for me. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, we've done the podcast several times together, and this is the first time we've ever connected remotely. Yes, this is awesome. Yeah, it's it's and it's not that bad. I mean, I, I see you on the screen there. It's pretty cool. Yep, yep. <laughs> I hear you crystal clear. I hope there's no feedback. I don't think there is. No, no, I think, I think we're doing pretty good. Oh, man. So crazy freaking times we're living in, dude. And It's a pandemic. It's a legit <laughs> pandemic. Like, it's not even a video game. Dude, my anxiety levels have been so high lately. And it's like I've been trying to not dig into too many of the articles, but I still read enough of them that every time I learn a little bit more, it freaks me out more. And I'm I'm thinking that it's better to be safe than sorry. And so that's kind of where I've been living with it. But, man, it's been flipping. Yeah, and and it's – yeah, that's a – it's a really interesting point you raise about striking the right balance between being informed, but not uh, psyching yourself out. So you want to make sure you're staying educated so that, you know, that gives you some power over how to make decisions. Um, You know, for example, I'm avoiding, you know, not just I'm staying home and all that stuff to avoid getting sick, but, Um, I'm also avoiding activities that I might get injured doing because, you know, you don't want to end up in the hospital when it's overrun with COVID patients, you know, I I had that thought last night. I had to go out to my garage and get up on top of a stepladder and dig through some boxes up in storage. Mm -hmm. Um, When our house got flooded in 2008, we had, um, excuse me, we had, Mm -hmm. uh, all these different places that would just stop by while we were cleaning up after the flood and they'd just drop off like a bucket, like stamped with the name of a church and it had a bunch of different cleaning supplies in it. And so I keep thinking about those and thinking, you know, I I keep picturing this case of N95 masks that I know they were handed out back then because there was mold concerns after the flood. Yeah, right. And so, yeah, I was up on this stepladder digging around looking through these buckets and uh, I did not find any N95 masks, but the context of those buckets, they've been up there since 2008 and <clears throat> there was just some random stuff in there that didn't get used. And yeah. apparently bars of soap melt into like a weird liquid <laughs> when they're up overhead in the garage. Cause you I bet imagine- it gets hot up there. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And so all huh. these, and so there was like one of the buckets had like a, a Bible in it and stuff. And it was like stuck to the bottom of the bucket embedded in soap. I felt so bad. Well, <sighs> that's probably as useful as that's going to be right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, it would be good to have more cleaning supplies. I, I was kind of hoping there would have been hand sanitizer. And stuff. Yeah, so right. I did not find any of that. that. That stuff's liquid gold right now. Yeah, there was like a, uh, a funny, you know, a friend of mine um, posted a uh, a freestyle rap he did, and some of the lyrics on there were pretty funny. And uh, you know, people get creative during quarantine. And he was he made he had a line in there about that 
you know, everyone went out and bought toilet paper, but there's still like every bar of soap is on the shelf. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, what are you doing? We need to wash our hands and you're not buying soap. You're just buying toilet paper. So it's like, whatever. People, that herd mentality and the way people reacted yeah, to that. Dude. It's, it's odd. And the thing that's really freaked me out about it is that this is really bad. What is going on right now? Yeah. Um, it could be several shades worse than that. And then how yes. would people react? How would people react if like, say something really big, not, not, I guess not even that big, but big enough to like hit the planet, put a dust cloud up in the sky, cause a couple few years of winter. What if um, Yellowstone, that supermassive volcano bursts? Yeah, right, you right. Know, I mean, it would be several levels of magnitude worse than what we're experiencing right now. And so then yes. how the fuck are people going to react? Yes. I feel like we're no. just riding this thin line. Dude, we're so close is, to chaos right now as dude, a society. And, dude, it's I've been saying this since, you know, even like at the end of Obama's term, uh, there were, you know, all the deficit hawks were talking about cutting the deficit and cutting funding and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And I was on that train because so so during that 2008 recession, you had to spend money. The government had to. There was no, it was by law, you know, unemployment benefits, uh, Medicare, Medicaid, they had to spend the money, but there was no economy to, you know, skim tax income off of. So you just ran these huge deficits. And then as the economy recovered, you had to increase taxes. That was, that's all you could do. You know, I mean, we didn't do that, but Instead, we cut spending. We needed to raise taxes, too, while cutting spending so that we could start to chip away at that debt we added, you know, during the recession. And then when Trump got elected, he reversed all of that. And spending has just gone crazy. And tax cuts went through, you know, record levels. And here we are three years into that term. And I've been saying this whole time, like, no, we needed to stay on that trajectory take advantage of our good economy and invest back in the nation and pay down some of that debt. And, you know, here we are, we had a great stock market, a lot of good that did, you know, because now we've got a poll they just spent two and a half trillion dollars. That's a huge amount of money. <laughs> it's <laughs> you know? an insane amount of money for and two well, months. Well, you know what, what you're two saying months. about that, not, not reinvesting back into it. Yeah. That's what I've been saying a long time is that when people point out, you know, oh, Trump economy is going great. And it's like, yeah, yeah, it's, it is going great, but you're racking up a huge deficit. If the economy is doing so good, why is the deficit growing at the same time? Yeah. You're, you're, you're artificially, you know, and that was the whole game was to artificially prop up the economy. And the, the risk of doing that was exactly what you said, which is we have been on a, we've been teetering on an edge and this economy is, you know, it was just waiting for something this, like this to derail it because nobody has savings, no, not even businesses, you know, they've been putting all their money back into the, you know, stock repurchases at record levels. Yeah, I'd read that the average American could only absorb an extra expense of around $400. I think, yeah, it was 200 to $400 or something at any given time. 
And, you know, and I, I know people that, you know, I get a little bit spoiled that, you know, like whatever, I'll just run up my credit card if I have to, or I'll do this or I'll take out a loan or whatever. But there's a huge number of people that can't get a credit card, number one, or if they do, it's not a very large limit, or they can't get lending from a bank. And so, you know, you've got all, and there's a lot of people, suddenly what are they going to do? They can't pay rent. Oh, well, the guy that owns the building is going to want the rent, but they can't pay him. What's he going to do or she or whoever? And then they got bills to pay because they might be over leveraged trying to invest in these properties and they've got loan payments to make on the building. And then, and so you just have this whole house of cars just. Yeah. And so, you know, that's the real. And so this is why, you know, one of the biggest things they put through was 100% unemployment insurance. So that means you get 100% if you get laid off of your earnings. Usually it's uh, 60% or something. Um, so you get your full earnings. Uh, they That's what they're proposing it. or they've already passed? That's, that? what, that's what passed. Um, so if you do get laid off, then you get 100% of your uh, salary. Um, but a lot of people are just getting cuts to their pay. And so then you have to decide, oh, do I quit my job? Do I look for something else? Well, nobody's hiring that's going to pay the same amount, you know, unless I want to go work for Amazon or something. Um, but Amazon isn't everywhere. I mean, they, they've got warehouses and stuff in a lot of places, but that, you know, we're Did you talking see about with the Amazon worker that tried to organize a union. They fired him. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I didn't, I saw the headline. I didn't look into it. I, I didn't look into it enough to really discuss it. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I, I saw the headline and of course, hashtag Amazon's bad, but there's such an important thing too. Um, so yeah, I don't know what, what the story was there because you know i know people that are you know they do the uh, right the right thing and i know people that just make noise so it's hard to yeah i I don't know i don't know personally i'm not going to bash on amazon too hard they're they're the publisher of my book so (laughs) (laughs) they're they're a great company Uh, i'm sure they know exactly who i am and all that but but yeah right uh you know, come to think of it, were for them, I wouldn't have a book. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, you know, Amazon is a symbol, you know, but a lot of the information that people read about Amazon to make them look bad is so wildly misinformed. And it's like, you know, if you want to, you know, have, maybe Amazon employees should be paid more. Okay, that's a legitimate argument. Maybe Amazon workers should get more benefits. Okay, that's a legit argument. But you know, the whole that, well, they didn't pay any taxes last year. And it's like, well, that's just, you know, they didn't make any money for 20 years. <laughs> they, <laughs> you know, they lost the money every year for 20 years. They had no money in the, the first year that they're profitable. You know, they write down all of their losses against their profits. And in that one year, by the way, they paid all of their taxes uh, sorry, they took all of their benefit out. So 2019, they've already paid taxes. In 2020, they're going to start paying taxes. So they, you know, if you, if you, you can do this, if you lost money for two or three years as an individual, you can write down a certain amount of that and, and pay your taxes over. You know, you can, you do this, you can take advantage of that if, if you're in the same situation. But yeah, there's um, usually more to a salacious headline than the average person who uses it. 
like is aware yeah. of. And that's what makes you so much fun to follow on social media. <laughs> well, because, you know, I get it's so like... pissed off reading comment sections where you, but like, like I'm reading it and I'm like, do not contribute. You <laughs> don't contribute. Like it's going to turn into you just being mad and looking like an idiot. But then I'm like reading yeah. like your cool collected responses with articles to back it up and shit. Dude, you're For the a fucking part, warrior yeah. with that. For the most part. And, you know, I get people all the time saying, why do you do that? How do you do that? What is, you know, what's the deal? And it's like, well, I do it for two reasons. Number one, it's to like understand, you know, different viewpoints and like try to like, are they crazy or do they have, you know, a basis? And then the other thing is to keep me honest for my own, my confidence in what I believe. It's like, okay, they're, they're forcing me to really explain you know my viewpoint uh, and that makes me understand my own viewpoint even better so it's like so i i don't you know that's how i can keep a cool head about it because it's only making me stronger it's only making my position better informed you know so um and then i and i can tell when when i say something and they don't respond you know then you're kind of like mm, okay so yeah they're just ignoring Th- that important piece of information they're not considering that in their viewpoint so their viewpoint is not as informed as mine you know so then it's like because you know we've all believed things that turned out to be wrong or we've all uh, believed things and not fully understood them so you gotta have a bit of humility about anything you believe you know so um uh <laughs> <laughs> I think Khadija's connecting. I, I just noticed that. I was like, this is going to be really fun if she pops up. Okay. Well. Is this Khadija? Wait, I don't want to interrupt. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm done talking. Yeah. No, no, this is fantastic. Guess what? What? We're recording Third. a podcast. Player, player um, three has entered I'm, the building. I'm so happy you're here. <laughs> I'm going to listen after you record. And who's not wearing pants? <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, this, this is me and James's good friend Khadija. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, full disclosure: I invited her, so <laughs> <laughs> this is fantastic. <laughs> we are talking about um, how you how you uh, determine your beliefs, I guess, in a way, um, and how you make sure you're uh, being honest in what you what positions you hold. Yeah, kind of being well well informed, like not just getting news from from one side and getting the opinion of an echo chamber kind of type stuff. Yeah. All right, I'm muting. Muting. You guys carry on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, chime in whenever you want, though. <laughs> Sounds good. Does the person not running the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm in charge here somehow. I'm not. <laughs> We're all equals. That We're was fantastic. I, I've never had a, a surprise guest drop in like that. It was fun. <laughs> like almost 80 episodes in, baby. First time that's ever happened. Well, we could teach yeah. you too. That's so fantastic. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, Okay, so where were we? That was with the the articles. You, yes. Yeah, you were saying, you know, you you read you like to read the you know, discussions that I have with certain individuals on Facebook and and how you're 
you try not to participate because uh, <laughs> you worry that you'll just explode into rage. <laughs> <laughs> not necessarily explode into rage. That's it. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just one of those things where um, – I it's I think it's hard to change somebody's mind and and have a real meaningful discussion in a comment That's section. Right. Just and because, it is. yeah, I mean, so much of yeah. the nuance of discussion is is body language. In in a face to face discussion is a much better way to discuss points like that. And well, and when you you know, it's weird because social media kind of sets up an automatic posture of antagonism. Like you're kind of already. It feels like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of designed that you're supposed to argue, you know, or something. It's, it's not really, I don't know how you could change that to make it softer, the interactions, you know? Um, But it does, it does lend itself to, to more easily be antagonistic to each other. I found anyway. Yeah, I, I think there's a certain like keyboard comfort that comes with that, right? Like the yeah, that right. they're not within punching distance, so they can say, <laughs> should they never say somebody face to face, right? And you you know you automatically see them as a an opponent. I don't know. So I try to like I've noticed that it's pretty easy to to just kind of extend a brief little olive branch out by just saying like I hear you or you know like. I I see what you're saying and I can understand that but you know whereas if you try to if you just say well blah blah oh and another thing that I've you know, I have an issue with this because sometimes I speak authoritatively just in how I talk you know like oh yeah well you know you're not supposed to do this because of that or you know the truth is this and that and that but sometimes when you're saying something that isn't something someone already agrees with. You got to be careful about speaking about it as if it's gospel necessarily, because sometimes that'll that be automatically kind of, off-putting, especially if they have an opposite viewpoint. Yeah. And they're going to take it as combative or combative. Exactly. Or, or like, Oh yeah, you're just whatever. You're just oh, academic, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if you, if you kind of say like, well, I think there's some, argument out there that you know or some people say that this or you know um i found or i think instead of uh or there's another there's another really good thing that you can say um which is called it sounds like what you're saying is this so you repeat back to them what their position is and then they know that you understand their position because if you don't articulate their position they're going to think that you are that you don't understand what they're saying. And so they're going to keep arguing their position. Um, but if, if you say, well, I understand that you think that this, or it sounds like you think this, or um, I understand that this should be blah, 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 blah. And here's how, you know, here's how I think about it. And as long as it's less, you know, antagonistic, you generally get a little bit further with people. Um, even people that have wildly different, uh, you know, views quote-unquote because at the end of the day we kind of all have similar views the, the ones that blow my mind the, the most are like the there's like the never trumpers out there and it's the mm-hmm. it's the ever trumpers that like really freak me out the one yeah. like no matter how much the blatant lie he says on national television 
is like discredited, it's like shown that no, that that's a lie. Or hey, last week you said this, and this week you're saying no, I never said that. Here's the yeah. footage of you saying it, and it's like, and they they still take his side. I just I don't understand the the, the cult of personality around him. I mean, he's he's the he, embodiment of a a total prick of a human being yeah, in a lot of no. ways. And so it's like, right. why would you like raise somebody up that has so many? disgusting qualities about him but right no there was a um there was a study in psychology today or something like that where they interviewed people before and after election night uh about you know people that were gonna vote for trump and people that were gonna vote for clinton um and what they found was that uh there was a strong association with uh trump being mean that they liked if they were trump supporters like they wanted Trump to be nasty to other people. They liked that about him. And that's what uh, blows my mind. Yeah. And, and, um, the Hillary supporters actually didn't like when she would criticize other people. So she had the opposite, you know, so the, the Hillary supporters didn't want her to do that. So that, and she would do that from time to time and, and it would hurt her, um, popularity among people. Uh, like when she said the basket of deplorables thing, that was kind of like, oh. Uh, so, and it has to do with like, um, the association that they found was with people wanting to be a part of a group and, you know, it, it's a weird group to, to want to be a part of someone that's mean. Um, but I think it has to do with, you know, you, you want to be, you want to be on a team that, that wins quote unquote, right? So you want to root for, and if your, if your worldview is that you have to be that way to be successful, which you don't, right? That's the that's the is, issue. Is well, you do the, not have no. Yeah, it, it costs it costs you absolutely zero to be a good person and polite to people. Right, you actually get further, and that's, that's what and I've that, always found as well. Yeah, and and that's the issue is that um, if you if you if you're a hard worker, you go to work, you, you do your job every day. Um, if you don't try to manage teams or start a company or do all these things or lead people in a significant way in diverse groups of people, like multiple attempts, like you might get lucky and have a good team that you don't really have to manage. Um, you don't get a lot of experience, you know, understanding that, Oh, this is the approach building confidence and re mutual respect and leadership. And these, and, you know, and this gets you a lot further than, you know, being mean to people and bossing people around and being tough and, you know, um, you know, nothing worse, nothing is worse than a boss that doesn't understand what is happening, but makes crazy demands. And I, <laughs> yeah. and I think that's Trump in a nutshell is he just demands things, but he doesn't really understand the process. So, so he demands things that are unobtainable um, or unattainable. And, um, and I think that's what gets him into trouble too. So, you know, you end up, you know, bankrupting all of your companies or <laughs> a casino in Atlantic city somehow, you know, uh, <laughs> or losing all of your dad's wealth that, you know, he gave you. So it's like, uh, or in this case, the pandemic, you know, you completely miss the, miss all of the warning signs, ignore all of the experts and wait 
until it's too late and then make all these demands. Oh yeah, we're going to have a million tests by the end of next week. That was two weeks ago. We still don't have a million tests, you know? <laughs> well, so yeah. And, like, and like, did he even sit through any sort of briefing where he was told, Hey, this is how long, this is the lead time on X amount of tests. This is the lead time on research to create any sort of vaccine. He just right. never seemed like the sort of president that's interested in any of that sort of stuff, which is right. weird because when Obama was in office, the amount of shit that he talked on Twitter, which is hilarious because it's still there, <laughs> still there. Yes, you, you, yeah. can, you can look him up and, and go and find right. these things where he talks about, you know, if I was the president, I wouldn't have time to golf. And it's like, dude, you've literally like golf they, every day. Like yeah. they, they've spent so much money. On, yeah. on cart rentals at his own golf courses and shit. So it's like yeah, he's taking yeah. federal money and just putting it right back into his own pocket. But but it's okay yeah. because the company was sold to his children. And it's like I, I, I just don't know. But it wasn't even how. sold to his children. It's, well, it, it wasn't even sold to his children. He totally made that up. He's still the owner. Well, of course he is. And the thing that's <laughs> right. weird is that it's like, okay, the, 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 the moral, the quote-unquote the moral conservative base – and everybody still loves him and accepts him. It's like, it, I, I just can't wrap my mind around why it happens. But the closest I get to is like, are they really doing this just to pad the courts with a bunch of judges that'll overturn Roe versus Wade? Well, he's, he, the yeah. judges that they've just rushed into there. It's like, dude, like Merrick Garland, <laughs> you guys didn't let Obama put any judges in for his entire last term. And now you're putting in people that aren't even qualified. Like what, are, yeah. what is the long-term strategy here that they're trying to do? Yeah, no. The, so the long-term strategy, and I've been following this for a while, uh, it started in, you know, the eighties and nineties and Grover Norquist is one of the, uh, you know, leaders of this kind of movement and it and it's this idea that taxes are yeah, bad you've been motivated by a fucked up name can you imagine having a child know, right? being named grover grover yeah i know he he's got some pent-up rage against the world <laughs> but um he's one of those uh you know neocon um undersexed white dudes you know that's just <laughs> <laughs> uh mad at everything but anyway so he he's been pushing this whole cut taxes federal spending is bad you know state level is, is good um and that that's the primary modern conservative thing is there the federal government is bad keep everything local state governments should manage everything and you saw this early on in the outbreak where Trump said, you know, the states should find their own ventilators. The states should make their own decisions. The states should do all this stuff. And, you know, there's an argument to be made that this, as much as possible, the local leaders should manage their stuff because they know best. They're, they're on the ground. Nobody likes when some Fed comes in and says, oh, we're going to do it this way. And you're like, but, and then everybody's mad, you know. So I get that, you know, you want to keep as much control at the local level as possible. But... There's a reason we have a federal government. And for some reason, this group of folks don't believe in that role, which is the only role they should have. And it's when something affects all states equally. And that, for example, a pandemic, you know, if every state is going to go through the same thing, you, you should let the federal government manage that as much as they can, you know, or lead that. So then um, you saw news reports where, you know, Illinois is like going to eBay or trying to buy ventilators from Sweden. And then Sweden's like, oh, well, we already got an or order from California. So will you give us twice as much? You know, we'll send them to you instead. Oh, wow. And so the states are outbidding each other. And then FEMA comes in and said, now nah, we'll buy them. <laughs> and then they're like, well, 
and then FEMA's in charge of doling them out. And so then it's like, well, wait a second. And then uh, yesterday at the press conference, Trump said, well, if this is happening in the States, the States should call us. We'll give them the ventilators. And everybody's like, but you've been saying for two months that the States should manage this. Wait, what's, you know, so it's clearly that the, these guys don't have a good understanding of what the role of the federal government is, when to step in and, and how to do that. Um, because th- there's no hope that the ventilators that we need are going to be there when we need them. And that's the main issue is that, you know, most people that get this coronavirus are going to be fine. You know, the vast majority of them get sick and it, it's rough and it's like a flu or worse. Um, but it's something they can recover without intervention. But for the people that it turns to the worse, um, they are on a ventilator, which is a serious intervention um, for 10 days on average, you know, 10 to 15 days, you know, where you're in a hospital bed on artificial oxygen, breathing, sedated for, you know, you get long-term issues with that for being on a ventilator that long, uh, number one. But you know, what do you do when you have 20 ventilators and you get 30 patients that need it? What do you do? Yeah. You know, and you got to start triaging and saying which one is, has the highest yeah. chance of survival. Right. And, 10 of them are dying because they will not survive exactly. without that ventilator, like period. And so, so, you know, that's, that's the issue. And that's what's been the warning since the beginning. And, uh, I was watching that press press conference and, um, you know, Donald Trump leaked out his strategy accidentally um, during the Q&A session. And he said, you know, a lot of people were telling me just let it run its course. That was, you know, that's a lot of really smart businessmen were telling me that. Oh, don't shut anything down. Let it just let it run its course. That was what they were doing. You know, that was the that was. Well, why aren't you doing anything? Ah, it's a flu. It'll go through. Blah, blah, blah. You know, these guys were not paying attention. Well, China, and, and as per their usual playbook, they weren't listening to any of the experts. They, exactly. It, this administration just has this disdain for people that are actually informed. It's and an arrogance. It's, it's, it's a complete. Yeah. And, and you know, yeah. the most dangerous people are the smart, the, the stupid people who think they're smart. And that's you know when you have the most dangerous actions. And that was the entire Bush. And you know, like Trump. And Bush, you know, Bush was different because George Bush, I think, is a good person. Like, I think he means well, but he was so unqualified. Well, Bush was like a well-intentioned moron. Yes, but and he was surrounded by not so well-intentioned, you know, moron slash evil people. And uh, yeah, if you can shoot somebody in the face and then that person publicly apologizes to you for being in the way. <laughs> yeah, you're that's so, weird, scary. right? <laughs> yeah. And so these guys, Donald Rumsfeld, Paul Wolfowitz, I mean, what they did in Iraq and what they did in Afghanistan, it was so just, you know, an unqualified disaster even till today, right? And Bush realized that about six years into his <laughs> tenure. <laughs> And that's that. Well, that how was, do they not see what happened with Soviet occupation there and be like, yeah, we're going to step in there and do better? It's like really they don't they don't know, they don't know this stuff. They 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 they're they, you know these are guys who you know Bush was the same as Donald Trump. They were given a golden spoon the day they were born, and they've never really had to face a problem they couldn't weasel out of either by calling their dad or 
you know, relying on their money or some other influence that's artificial, right? Well, that's why nepotism is a bullshit system. Yes. And so unqualified morons in positions of power. It it can. Yeah, it can. can. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, and so, and, and that's the issue is that, is that, you know, you, you have an arrogance when you've been in a bubble like that your whole life where you've never really faced a consequence because you've never had to really, you know, Trump, what do you do? Oh, filed bankruptcy. That's his, he weaseled out. Oh, okay. Well, that's easy. You know, he can bet whatever he wants. There's no risk where you and I, we can't take risks. Can you imagine us taking a risk like that? No, you lose the house. Nobody would care for, care about you, you know, go live in an apartment. You know, it's like, so easy to 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 lose everything so you have to go to work you have to do a regular job you can't take a risk like trying to open a casino <laughs> you know they'll bury you so but he but he wheeled weaseled out because he he over leveraged the banks and they had no other you know so anyway um i think that uh i think trump is having his holy crap i'm not gonna be able to handle this moment right now and Bush had that about six years into his term when Iraq just descended into utter chaos and and nothing went according to their plan. And that's when you realize, whoa, I can't call daddy and get out of this, you know. And <laughs> Yeah, I'm literally the figurehead of the country right now and everybody yes. looking at me and blaming yes. me for this. And yes. of course, in this instance, shit is going to roll uphill. Yeah. And yeah, I hope so. Because, you know, people are still in a little bit denial about what's coming. Um, But if you have 215,000 cases, which is what we have today, um, we have to remember that we're not testing everyone. We have limited tests, and they're only testing people that show up in the hospital. So that means people with pretty, you know, serious conditions. Um, they're, They're doing some drive up testing, but it's not a lot. So most of those cases are hospitalizations or you've you've gotten bad enough that you went to the doctor. And of those cases, we're not talking about, you know, 50% of the people that are asymptomatic or, you know, we're talking about sick people. Of those sick people so far, about 10% of them die. So the fatality rate of the positive confirmed cases is about 10%. The overall fatality rate is, you know, point whatever percent. It's a small number because tons of people have it and they either aren't showing symptoms or they are getting sick and staying home and not getting tested um, and they don't need to go to the doctor. But of the people that go to the doctor, about 10% of those confirmed cases so far have been dying. Um, And of those confirmed cases, you know, they were infected seven days ago, five days ago, before their symptoms started showing up. And then three days after that is when they start to need to go to the hospital. So about eight days after symptoms or so. And so these 250,000 cases that we're getting today, they've been getting people sick for the last seven days, right? So every one of those infects on average three people. So you're looking at 215,000 cases today, They've already infected, you know, a million people. They're, so, so we're we're a seven day, eight day lag time on this curve that it's going to keep going up to a million cases um, or more. That's uh, so scary. 
Yeah. And of those 10% are going to die. So that's where you get the hundred thousand people dying in the next, you know, month, two months. Um, because that's just, you know, we didn't institute stay at home stuff until we're at 215,000 cases. So yeah. Florida that should have been done much earlier. Yeah. Florida just did it today. Alabama just, or Georgia just did it today. Iowa still hasn't done it. We're going to need to do it. Uh, we're just, you know, oh, it, there was, it blows my mind. The, the, the types of businesses that they're calling essential. It's like, really? Why? Well, and you know, but it's I, for I, economic security is, is what of I course. understand is that it's of like, course. well, these are, you know, big money makers. We can't really shut them down. It's so it's essential in that way. And, and I, or it's I, food, I get that but, production. Yeah. But at the same no, time, I, it's like, if everybody just did take like, like a two week break or something and dude, it would stop it immediately. Exactly. It it's it like, why didn't we just do it? Just rip the damn bandaid off and just do what you got to do. But, and it would be better for the economony actually in the long term. If people you just in charge want to get reelected and shit. And so they, they're putting those sorts of, those variables well, are going into their decision-making process, which. Yeah. And I, and I understand that, you know, you're trying to strike a balance like and i read today that um governor reynolds iowa's governor has a mathematical data-driven plan for when the state should issue a stay-at-home order um so so she does have criteria that she's waiting a threshold before she you know institutes the stay the issue is with that and i'm glad that she actually has a plan <laughs> but the issue is the issue is that we're going to meet the, we're going to hit those numbers. You know, it's just a matter of time. And so the question is, you, you, you may as well do it now and not force all these people to get sick that aren't going to, wouldn't get sick if you make the order today, because, you know, the, the argument that the economy is going to be hurt. I mean, the economy is going to be hurt one way or the other, because if everybody's sick, nobody's working anyway. You can't just make people sick. And then if everybody's dying around you, you know, you, you can't expect people to just, people are just going to stay at home and say, nah, I'm just going to, yeah, I'm not just going to have a a greater level of chaos. If you just let it go crazy like that. Exactly. People are going to end up, they're going to not trust the government because they're not making the right decisions. They're going to take things into their own hands. You're going to have people raiding grocery stores and, you know, it could go. We already know there's a fuckload of armed people in America. So it's like, hey, this is not a good mix of things to let happen. Yes. So so issue the stay at home order. What are you going to do? People that want to go out are still going to go out, but issue that order, you know. So um, it's yeah. So so we're we're on a trajectory. The hundred thousand cases of people, you know, hundred thousand Americans are going to die. That's baked in with the numbers we have now. So, you know, in the best case, that's what we're looking at. So, um, you know, I, and, and people just, they just don't understand. And, and I get it, you know, it's like, well, the weather reports not right all the time. And it's like, yeah, no, there's, you know, there's uncertainties on stuff. So whether it rains six inches or doesn't rain at all, you know, there's kind of a variability there, but, um, we we're you know if the day is there and it's raining <laughs> and you know you're predicting that it's raining then your data model is probably pretty good so we're predicting <laughs> you know the point is we have 250,000 cases confirmed and that means those people have already affected a million people so 
we just have to wait for them to show up in the hospital and get tested. So that's seven days from now. Man, and then five days. Terrifying. After, yeah. And then five days after that, they're dead. So that's where they say, oh, yeah, in one to two weeks, it's going to be real bad. Well, yeah, because in one to two weeks, you're going to have a million people showing up at the hospitals looking for help. And, you know, 10% of them are going to need to be on a ventilator. Uh, and you're not going to have enough ventilators. And you're not going to have you're going to have to decide who gets a ventilator and who doesn't. And uh, then you're going to have to deal with what are you going to do with this body? Um, and you're going to just have hallways filled with people. Uh, in body bags, and uh, Did you see Tesla's making ventilators and giving them to hospitals for free that need them. Yeah, as I understand it, they found some ventilators in China and bought them and donated them. And I think they're trying to tool up and make ventilators right now. Nice. So they've been buying them and donating them, which I think is strange. <laughs> like, how can Tesla buy them? Why can't you know? <laughs> why can't FEMA buy them? Why is you know? So. Um, well, uh, wasn't that something that 45 was quibbling about saying that, you know, you don't need this many ventilators? I mean, I'm sure he's changed his stance at this point, but I'm, I was thinking yeah, I saw no, he, him saying he, that last You know, week. he's he's such a hype man, you know, it's just so annoying because he just wants to convince you, you know, that everything's going to be fine because everything if you're convinced everything's going to be fine, then he maintains his, you know, his appearance of understanding what's going on, but um um, he, he, he doesn't understand. And so governor Cuomo says we need 40,000 ventilators. And so there's a criticism of the government. Well, we need 40,000 ventilators and they don't have it. And then, uh, Donald Trump says, well, you know, they ask him, well, where's the ventilators? Well, we, we I don't think we're going to need that many, but <laughs> the real answer is we don't have them, <laughs> you yeah, know? So instead yeah. of saying, Instead of saying, well, we don't have 40,000 ventilators to give, he says, ah, well, we probably won't need them. And which is a total just like, well, wouldn't that be nice? You know, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be nice if we don't need 40,000 ventilators? But, uh, you know, if we can predict where a rocket's going to land after we launch it, we can predict the inertia of an epidemic. You know, <laughs> you, you don't just stop an epidemic. It doesn't just switch off and suddenly the people who are infected just stop, you know, and the fact that you still have all these people going to these mega churches spreading it, you know. Oh, that's that's some crazy shit right there. Here's what happens. Um, the primary mode of spread is within a family. Um, so you come home, you give it to your wife, who gives it to your kids, who gives it to your grandma, who gives it to, you know, and that's how it, that's the kind of way it spreads. Um on the large scale. So if you talk about, you look at a church, you go to a church, you got a hundred people in there and, you know, we're learning today that you can, um, you know, get the disease just from talking to someone because it's, you know, it's coming on out of your breath. You don't have to be symptomatic. You, you can just, and we didn't learn that today. We've learned that for, you know, two months or whatever. Um, so you go to a church and then you're singing uh, a, a hymn or something. Everybody's singing. You're just, you're just, you know, putting virus into the air forcefully, singing, 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 right? And, and that's very just true. Going, yeah, you're projecting. Yeah, you're projecting it around you all over. And so you only need one person in there sick to infect a lot of people. And what do those people do? They get infected, they go home. They start shedding the virus before they're symptomatic. They start spreading it to their family. 
In the meantime, they go to the grocery store, they go to their friend's house, they go to their neighbor, they talk to blah, 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 they laugh at the mail carrier, you know, and suddenly you turned one person into 10,000 cases. And so that's, that's, you know, why it's going to be really hard for, you know, China got it under control because they didn't, they arrested people who went outside their home and it's been two months since they've been doing that, you know, so we can't do that. So we're not going to be able to stop the spread. We can try and slow it. And we're definitely doing that by a lot of people staying at home. But um, a lot of people aren't staying at home. And as long as you have people going out to the grocery store and coming home or going to work and coming home, you got a chance that they're going to get sick and then spread it to their families. And that's, you know, that's how it keeps growing in the near term. So that's why there's, you know, a two week lag between any action and seeing any sort of slowdown in the in the spread. So, you know. Yeah, I bet they're seeing a huge increase in people doing the pickup grocery services and stuff right now. Oh, that's what we do. And bless those frontline essential workers, you know. So Yeah, I've I've gone to the grocery store twice now through mm-hmm. all of this. And yeah, both times I was freaked out the entire time. Uh yesterday I actually had to go in and um had to go into a target and that was shit was not fun. And lots of people with masks and not near enough people who are maintaining social distance. It's, I mean, isn't that crazy? It's, you about want to go in with like an extra size hula hoop. Yeah. And just wear or it around you. And like, yeah. yeah. It's like, get the fuck back. Come on, man. Like, are you not? It's like, I, I don't have cable news or anything. And I still know what the shit is going on right now. Yeah. Like so. you got to be, com- but you know, I, there's, there's an adversarial you know, anti, uh, viewpoint nature yeah. to a lot of people, you and know, go back to that, that cult of personality around. It's cool to be an ignorant idiot. It's like, yeah, no, it's, right. it's not cool to be ignorant. It's, it's no. not cool to be like, Oh, the experts saying I'm going to do this. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and do that. Like the, have right. you seen like the, the, the coronavirus viral challenges and stuff online with people well, like where you go like toilet seats on and shit all the, like yeah, that? you got sneeze on all the vegetables. Yeah, no, it's it's that Tide Pod generation, man. They're weird. Yeah, yeah, and well, and they they get arrested and have to pay a huge fine, and but they you know, it's hard to follow up on that. So, you know, <laughs> like so crazy. Um, yeah, I but, don't know. I don't understand that level of human behavior at all. It, it's, I mean, I totally understand it, but at the same time, like. I can control it. So I guess I'm lucky. (laughs) Like, you know, sometimes you just want to like, okay, this is what I tell people when I was a kid. um, This is when I learned about the dark side and how we're all teetering on an edge of sanity and insanity. Um, I used to, when the Creek would flood uh, by my house, I loved it. And I, I, would secretly want it to keep like, let's see how bad this can get. Like, keep going, man. Like, let's, let's go over the banks. Let's bring up, like, wouldn't that be, you know? And of course you like, you don't really want that. Yeah. Like I do not want water in my basement, you know, but, but there's, there is a, there is a weird sort of in me anyway. And I, I think probably in others of, uh, you kind of want to see how bad it can get, you know, you just, you, and I, I kind of like the battle 
And it was like, I want the flood to get worse because I want to build sandbags, you know, like, or I want to, I want to battle that. I want to fight. I want to do that. I want to wage war against the flood and win. Wouldn't it be great if we won and it got, it was really bad. So I, I think there's kind of this nature in us to like, want to fight you know you're far more in touch with that feeling than i am the whole time you're talking i'm like i don't relate <laughs> <laughs> and that's I'm, okay I'm you like, know? i really cling to order it's like yeah oh, is, that's a rule okay i agree with that rule i'll follow that rule here we go right and you know and i've told that to people and some people go yeah i totally yeah i get that and other people are like what is wrong with you you know <laughs> so and it's like no no i don't actually you know that's not something i am like uh, promoting within me, you know, it's not something I encourage, but it's something I notice, you know, that there that is, is that things though. But I mean, if you have thoughts like that, then that means you also have the capability to then come up with ways to solve that, that, it's that called, problem. It, like you have a way to think yeah. around those. If you have the imagination to consider yeah. how bad it can get, then that gives you the opportunity to think around those corners and, and come up with a way through and a plan. That's exactly right. And they're so called I can relate in, to that. Yeah. And they're called an intrusive thought. And uh, I, we've I covered that before about how you, if you get to the edge of a cliff and there's a little part of you that's like, well, yeah, it's like, jump let's off. do it. And it's like, uh, what, if, what if we don't? Yeah, do it. <laughs> or you're driving down the highway. I could totally just turn this right into that bridge embankment. Yeah. Dude, the closest yeah. I ever got to that, I was out hiking one time. Oh, and and is checking out this area that I'd never been to before. And so we're trying to find a way to get from the top down to the bottom. And okay. so we start going down this really, really narrow gully. I mean, it's almost like a, like a limestone gutter of sorts. It's like big enough for like a person to walk down and get down to where we're about 20 feet up from the ground and just go onto a ledge. And there, there's no way. And it's like, okay, we're going to have to go all the way back up probably like, you know, 70, 80 feet of this thing and it's going to suck and we're going to find a different way down. Or you can just lean out over this cliff and grab this walnut tree and shimmy down it. Just do it. Yeah. <laughs> I've yeah. loaded the idea and my buddy's like, are you serious? I'm like, I suggested it. Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> it yeah. It was wild. But dude, yep. I don't, I don't know. Those intrusive thoughts are weird, but yes. for me with yeah. like, do you think intrusive thoughts, uh, intrusive thoughts tend to float around like super dangerous situations a lot more like that? Like you get that yeah. feeling when you're at the edge of a cliff or. Yes, absolutely. It, they're, they're designed to make you aware of the risks is how I understand it. Okay. So, so it puts the idea in your head. Yes. Because nature is counting on you to be horrified by the idea and then take a step back. Exactly. Or, ah. or to recognize it. So like if you're, you know carrying uh you know groceries i could just you could just fall down into the mud or you know whatever and uh that that would uh give you the you know the thought of whoa i better hold on to these you know extra tight or something yeah um, or uh um my favorite story about that I, I was telling this guy paul who's an engineer in uh the research lab and he's a, he's he's a eccentric fellow uh, very smart, um, but a little bit, you know, odd, like all of us. And I was telling him about intrusive thoughts and he's like, oh yeah, I have those. And, uh, and I, you know, I told him the story of like, when you're near an edge, you want to jump off or whatever. Um, or something, when you're driving, you want to 
you know, pull the car off the side of the road or something just, and he's like, yeah, I get those sometimes I'll be just standing, you know, uh, he, he helped take care of his mom. Um, I'll be standing near my mom and I'll be cutting vegetables and I could, ah, yeah, I could just stab her with this knife. <laughs> and, I'm, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm looking at him like, uh, <laughs> that'd be oversharing a little. Yeah. That's definitely an intrusive thought. Like, <laughs> To the max, like I, <laughs> that's an intrusive thought tied to a maybe schedule something with yeah. therapist, you know, maybe yeah. talk this out, maybe, maybe some underlying out. resentment yeah. that you haven't worked through there, uh-huh. mixed in with your intrusive thought, because you know the intrusive thought should be like, oh, I could trip and fall, and and the knife could go into her or into me. That's an intrusive thought, but <laughs> oh, I should just stab my mom. Isn't like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's like a homicidal impulse. That's yeah, right, right. That's like so, weird. Like th- yep. those are like the sort of thoughts that like go through cats' heads. Yeah, all day exactly. long, right? <laughs> right, you just claw their face right off. Um, dude, dude, our cat yeah. Jack. If we turn on um, that uh, cat TV on YouTube. Or if mm-hmm. he just hears birds chirping outside, he will immediately start running to the living room because he either wants to look out the windows for the birds or he wants to get up on his tower and like watch the birds on the TV. And he is just like unbridled focus. And it's like, that. look at that little murder machine. They're so adorable. Yeah, he's ready to kill. Yep. <laughs> yep. You heard about that study that they put little GoPros on cats. What? Yeah. You didn't hear about this? No, uh, no. Tell me. They put uh, little cameras on cats that are allowed to go out at night, you know, outdoor cats, and just to see what they did. And from their observations, um, they determined that cats kill like two billion animals a year or something. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard that they have a horrendous effect on like songbird populations and stuff like that. Oh, they just go out at night and kill anything they can find. It's crazy. Like, like real hardcore rabbit. bird enthusiasts are not fans of feral cats at all. No, yeah, yeah, they're very, they're I yeah I can't remember the specifics of it, but I I read a study about cats that um, in high cat populations there are lower, uh, and I can't remember what bird, but there's a specific bird that they are especially fond of. I guess I don't know, or easily, easy, more easily catch it. And <laughs> That's it. the idiot bird. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't fly very fast. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's just very bad at focusing on its surroundings. So it's like the unmindfulness bird. It's just <laughs> constantly like, oh, I'm just going to do, 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 dead. So kind of an idiot, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. You need some cognitive behavioral therapy or something. <laughs> Man, earlier this week, um, uh, we took our younger cat, Thor, in to uh, get neutered. Thor. Thor, yes. <laughs> Thor, it. who, when we adopted him, his name was Catrick Swayze. Catrick Swayze, unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a fan uh, of Catrick Swayze? <laughs> that's just mocking the cat. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, yeah, his name's Thor now, but sometimes the boys call him Gary, which is interesting. Gary is an acceptable name for a cat. <laughs> well, that'd be great because that'd be Jack and Gary, but Jack and yeah. Thor is good too. Yeah, I like Thor. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I took Thor in and dude, it could not have gone more terribly. 
Oh dear. Like I was just thinking, okay, like uh, 15 oh, minutes. Thor didn't like having his nuts removed surgically. He didn't like the idea of going in the pet carrier to begin with. Oh, and so that's yeah. where I made my first mistake. Yes. He saw the pet carrier and about halfway into it, he was like, fuck that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. <laughs> no, 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 he was like, he was all like this. No. No. Yes. <laughs> he was not <laughs> having it. <laughs> and, and, um, and dude, he got away from me and continued to get away from me and continued to get away from me. And there were so many times where I almost had him in. And dude, I am like bleeding from both hands. Oh, He's geez. clawed through my shirt okay. already and like scratched so, my chest. You know what the secret is now? I'm lucky because I've never had to do this with Leonard because he's pretty chill. Uh, he's Leonard the chillest is- cat ever. It's really awesome. Oh, I was going to clarify that he is a cat and not my living uncle or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, you you need to wrap the cat in a towel. The, I okay. remembered hearing that after... And so, like, every subsequent try to catch him and yeah. then get the towel on him yes. is what went horribly wrong. <laughs> I see. Yep. So you got to do it before any inkling that shit's about to go down. And that's what yeah. I figured out I'm going to have to do next time is don't let him yep. see the pet carrier at all or anything yep. like that. Get it's that then, swaddle on him. Yeah. And then, oh, yeah, clamp, clamp it down. <laughs> Dude, it went so bad. And, like, I was... Yeah. I was like, man, I'm destroying this cat's trust in me. That <laughs> I keep trying to put him in this thing that he clearly hates. And then I took him there and I went and picked him up. And when I got him home, he ran away from me, didn't want to be anywhere near me. And like, dude, I was just so dejected because I mean, this cat was like my best buddy. Like you'd always want yeah. to be, right. you know, like sleeping next to me and like following me around and stuff. It was like, okay, this is the cat that's, <laughs> that likes daddy. Like, this yeah, is awesome. Yeah. And now yeah. it's like, okay, now I've broken that trust and I was just so heartbroken. And yeah. then, uh, but then the next morning I was up all early and then he started following me around the house and rubbing against my legs and purring. And I was like, oh, they, he's forgiven yeah. me. <laughs> yep. Yep. But, yep. um, dude, we were racing against the clock to, we didn't know if we were going to be able to get it done. And like, oh, he's been meowing yeah. at the windows. Yeah. His balls were so full. And it's like, oh, do not start spraying stuff in my house. Good we're Lord. quarantined in here and we, nobody wants the house to have that air freshener in it right now. Oh God. But I'm I was kind of shocked that the vet's office would, that they were still operating and everything. But, but like you said, Iowa hasn't issued the, the full stop yet. So. Right. Right. And that's, yeah, I mean, the crazy thing is, is every interaction is a risk at this point. So it's like you can kind of, you know, assess your risk as a function of the number of cases. So, for example, there's, what, 3 million or 2 million people that live in the state of Iowa. Um, And if there's, what, 400 cases, then that's, you know, a certain percentage of the population. It's small. So you look at the county level, like, oh, uh, Johnson County has 70 cases. Oh, that's not very much, right? Um, but you have to remember that, okay, that of, of those 70 cases, those are confirmed. Um, unconfirmed is probably 10 to 50 times more than that, according to a Harvard uh, prediction. 50 so, times. Yeah, right? So, okay, 10 times 70. Right yeah, 10 times 70 is 700, right? Um, that's sorry. my doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I have a computer for that sort of thing. Um, times hey, well, 50. Just listen. I would say she's a doctor too, and I'd make fun uh, of her for not knowing what her left hand was. <laughs> oh, well, 
you know, to be fair, left and right hand is a difficult concept for <laughs> a lot of people. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so uh, yeah. So anyway, so you got 70 patients times 10, 700 times, you know, five, uh, 2,500 people, you know, possibly in the Johnson County area. But then you divide that into the population of Johnson County, you know, which is, you know, tens, tens of thousands or something like that. You're looking at, oh, a decent percentage of the county. And if you work it out, it's like, okay, if you're anywhere that 100 people have been, 100 different people, you have a decent chance that you're going to encounter someone who was infected. And so if you talk about like Trader Joe's or the grocery store, easily, you know, hundreds of people, um, hundreds of people, uh, um, <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> you need to pop in and say that. Not type it. The listeners are like, "What are they giggling about?" <laughs> yeah, <it is>. um, <laughs> relatively intelligent people. Um, anyway, you need so to you... text it. It says lots of people confused their left hands. Yeah, and you're it's right. True. It's true. <laughs> Especially if you're looking at a mirror. That's when I get into trouble. Well, it's unfair, too, because I'm, I'm making fun of her while she's up trying to concentrate on a rock climb. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. a bit going on in her head. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, yeah, seven, seven so, you know, 2,000 people out of 20,000 people or something. You're Anyway, the point is, if, you, if you're around enough people, you increase the chances. As the cases go up, that only increases the odds you're going to encounter someone who's got the sickness. So, um, <laughs> They're telling you know, the sickness. Yeah, right. And so, <laughs> so, you know, grocery stores, that's where everybody commingles. And if there's a cloud of virus after someone has it for 30 minutes, it could be suspended in the air. You know, you walk in that door that doorway is going to be filled with it, you know? So it's like, oh, and we terrifying. I didn't read enough it, articles to get to the freaking uh, virus mist. Well, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, that is, you know, that's like the worst case assumption of how it spreads. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know the answer um, to that, but um, now's the time know. to make a perfect mat, like a really dope mask that looks just like the winter soldier. Right. Nobody well, can yeah. Say shit. You can walk around looking all dope. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the the best way to, to deal with that is to shop at off hours, off peak hours. So, so late at night, early in the morning. Um, if it's high V, you know, I think there's still 24 hours. So go go pretty late at night and you just, you know, that'll give time for whatever's in the air to settle down and uh, that reduce, <laughs> reduces your, <laughs> that reduces your uh, um, chances that you're going to. Um, someone put an N95 filter in that mask and then uh, <laughs> I will wear it. And then we can all wear our Darth Maul masks. Yeah, no mm. kidding. <laughs> um. <laughs> I have a, uh, I have a um, oh, which Spider-Man mask is it? It's the Miles Morales Spider-Man mask. I don't know what that means. Um, have you seen the end of the Spider-Verse? animated movie that sony put out i have not oh dude it's so good okay you, i gotta check it out you would really dig it uh i think it's available on netflix okay check um, it out. great movie though but anyway so have you ever heard of the the character miles morales 
I have not. Oh, fantastic. You know who Spider-Man is, of course, right? Yes, of course. Okay. So there was a run in the comics that a really talented fellow named Brian Michael Bendis wrote a while back where he wrote an Ultimate Universe, where it was like this alternate Marvel Universe. And there was a Spider-Man there the Peter Parker in that dimension more or less uh, died. And this is the uh, full disclosure. I haven't read the full run of the comics, but I've had it described to me by friends who have read it. And I've seen the Into the Spider-Verse movie a million times. So I'm just going to tell the Into the Spider-Verse version more or less. Yeah, to, sure. To otherwise, like real comic, <laughs> hardcore Marvel heads will be like, what the fuck, man? I'm like, I don't read that much Marvel. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so, but it's okay. Yeah, so can... Miles Morales was a, a kid that um, he sees Peter Parker die. He gets bit before before that he gets bit by a radioactive spider, and so his he becomes the spider man in his dimension in the ultimate universe after Peter Parker dies okay. and so he's got a slightly different costume it's it's black and got the the spider yes. symbol spray painted on it, and so he wears the spider suit, but then he also wears like like shorts and a hoodie and 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 um um why am I struggling with this? <laughs> Fancy shoes that kids wear these days. <laughs> tennis shoes. <laughs> what the fuck? Tennis shoes, really? Yeah, yeah, like tennis shoes not tied. You just got to see the movie. Okay. It's, right, it's, okay. it's really, and it's one of those movies too to where it'll totally make you roll a tear. It has everything. In my yeah. opinion, it's the best Spider-Man movie that's been released so far. Yeah. Like, it's that good. And that, and I also saw it in the theater in 3D, and the 3D on it was freaking mind-blowing. So nice. the sequel comes out and it's in 3D, I'm making a mental note right now to text you. It's, okay, do it. Go see that. If it's if we're not under quarantine, we'll go see it together. Dude, can I tell you something? Um, the oh my god, <laughs> geese goose, geese goose, um, uh, geese goose. What is that from? Um, <laughs> there's there's a meme I saw. I, was say, I think a lot geese. of them are from Canada. Geese geese. Um, hold on, geese goose. Oh. <laughs> I'm a people person. I'm a geese goose. <laughs> I was like, I was like, are you having a seizure? What are you yes, right I now? just had a mild stroke. <laughs> I'm a geese goose. That's what geese say. I'm a geese goose. So I'm a people person. <laughs> I haven't I'm heard that. That's so awesome. <laughs> and it's this like uh, Renaissance painting of a goose saying it. You know, with his neck all skewed. So, anyways, uh, Miles Morales, Spider Man. I have a, a replica. Wait, 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 wait. Let me tell you, you're gonna my goose. Oh, you sorry, goose. So, uh, the box office take for the month of April was like two hundred and fifty-two dollars or something like that. Oh, yikes! At this same time last year, it was like three hundred million dollars. I mean. Talk about no that like, industry is being. I mean, that's so like, many industries right now. I have a, a friend crazy. whose family owns a bar, and like yeah. I, actually, you know, several friends whose families own bars actually. And yeah, I feel so bad for all of them. It's like if this this is your livelihood, this is your business, and now you yeah. can't do anything, and it's through no fault of your own. And no, there's nothing you can do. Oh, it's just terrible. Nothing you can do. Anyway, I've been and, trying to talk Lindsay into wearing that Spider-Man mask is what I was getting at. Got it. <laughs> you know, it probably would help. You know, it wouldn't wouldn't hurt. I'll like, wear this to work. It'll be awesome. Yeah. Oh, God. She's still doing the UPS stuff, right? Yes. Yep. UPS is still going. 
Yeah. And oh, I was going to touch on that when we were talking about Amazon earlier. Yeah. And um, dude, people, stop shipping random, needless shit to your house. The virus can live on cardboard for like twenty four hours. Yeah. You're just shipping it from all over the country. You've God knows how many people are touching it along the way. Yeah. Like UPS is, is insane right now. It's booming. Right. People right. are shipping stuff like mad and it's, and it's not all essential shit. Right. So just fucking settle no, down. People, people. people are bored. Yeah. No. And you know, and, and the, you know, it's kind of annoying because the CDC and Trump administration, you cannot for the last two months, you could not actually listen to anything they said because nothing was true. Um, and they were not telling you, you know, so, so now they're saying, Oh, wear masks. Okay. Well, you know, we knew that was what you should do, but they didn't want people to buy masks because there was a shortage. Right. Yeah. Um, but I mean, just covering your face with something helps. So, uh, anything will, will help, but that's not to prevent you from getting sick. It's to prevent people who are sick from spreading it. So you wear a mask to protect others, not to protect yourself. So that's a difficult thing to communicate, uh, especially if you're Donald Trump. But um, there's, there's some nuance there, right, that you need a clear uh, speech to elucidate. Um, but uh, where was I going with this? I lost my train of thought. Uh, oh, we're... anyway, the point is, OK, cardboard and plastic surfaces. And so. So, yeah. So now they're telling us all this. Oh, that you can. It's asymptotic is the primary mode of, you know, people infecting it. Well, okay, wear a mask and then maybe this and that, a uh, little, uh, all this garbage. And then, so there's these studies that are trying to look at, you know, how long the virus lasts and they can measure it for what, 24 hours on cardboard up to three days on, um, uh, uh, a plastic surface or something like that. Right. Um, and, but I, and I haven't been listening to the White House about this. I've been looking at the studies, and so far, there has been no evidence that you can actually uh, get the virus from from a surface. So, oh, really? Yeah, like what is on the surface? You know, does it come off when you touch it, or does it stay on the surface? Does it, uh, you know, get destroyed in that process? Uh, is it really viable? Um, uh, is it really viable to, you know, um, is it really viable to, uh, you know, uh, be enough to transmit a, uh, you know, uh, to infect someone is my point. So, you know, it's debatable if that's possible. Now, what this I think relates to as a not a virologist, um, but um, uh, the thing, the infectious dose is something we're still trying to figure out. And the infectious dose is the number of particles of virus particles you need to be exposed to to cause an infection. Okay, so um, if you get exposed to, let's say, 10 particles, right, are you going to get infected? 
And that's like the main question we got to figure out, you know, is if you get exposed to 10 particles, do you get the sickness? Do you need to be exposed to 20 particles? You know, how many particles, how many viruses, how many little viruses do you need to catch um, before it uh, uh, causes you to, um, you know, get infected or whatever? Yeah, and that, so, that unknown quantity has been one of the things that I've been tripping out on. Right. Um, well, and so, and so the idea then is if you touch a box that has, you know, some virus on it, how many are you taking off? And then if you touch your face or something, how likely is it that it makes it into your system? And so that's why they think, you know, getting coughed on or being in a cloud of, you know, airborne virus. So being around other people is probably the highest, I mean, is for sure the highest risk. Um, and even though the virus might survive on a surface, does it, is it really in practice something that unless you, you know, you know, snort some Coke off your cardboard box, you know, <laughs> do you, do you really get that virus into your system? That's, a, you know, it's a, and I think that they don't see that right now. I don't think that that's how you get it. I think it's from, from being around people, uh, sustained contact around sick people. So. Yeah. So I totally should have been wearing a mask in the grocery store. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> I mean, just so, to be on the safe side is what I mean. But see, my problem is I got this big freaking bushy beard. Which helps to stop it. I don't want to shave my beard just to make a mask fit good. Holds it in. Well, okay. So again, the mask uh, is going to prevent you, if you're sick, from spreading it unknowingly. Yeah. Um, because those masks don't protect your protect your eyes. Oh, that's a really um, good point. Oh, yep. shit. Now I'm creeped out about that. God damn it, James. Yes. <laughs> so they get in through your eyes and nose and mouth. Um, and the other thing is that if you, you know, get the virus on your mask, let's say you had goggles on and, and a mask on. When you take it off, are you really doing a good job when you take it off? You know, making sure it's cleaned and not touching it and then touching your face or, you know, or, or doing something in the process or are you reusing the mask? Is it becoming less effective? Are you, you know, yeah, and that's your, one of the you, bad things is that these medical professionals are being forced to just reuse these masks over and over that are meant to be a, you know, a one-time use. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. These are not, you know, you're not supposed to be in a mask because you know, these masks when they, the way they work is they're tightly woven plastic fibers uh, that are really close together and they have a static charge. So they, they trap the particles in them as the air flows through them because they literally are just attracted um, by static into those, to, to the fibers. And that, that's um, the, the little filter square that's on an N95 mask? Either the filter square or the entire mask. Um, oh, some nice. of the, yeah, some of the, the masks are just a full fiber, you know, thing. Um, and so, the more you use a mask, the more your breath gets on it and the wetter it becomes. And moisture, uh, as I understand it, um, now, you know, this is a, a thing that if someone's listening, look into this because I this is what I think after reading. But I should clarify that I'm not 100% convinced that this is what happens. But with moisture, you, you lose the charge. Um, the mask 
isn't as effective. Um, so as you wear it, you're not supposed to wear these things for 12 hours, for example. Um, they, they get wet over yeah. that time. And then, you know. Well, and then a static charge isn't going to do any good, right? When it's submerged right. in water. Yeah. And it's not even just submerged in water. It's just, it kind of gives some place for, it kind of neutralizes the charge. It's just not as chargy. Uh, so then, you know, particles when we breathe might not get stuck in the mask as much. And that's particles you breathe out and particles that you breathe in, you know, so, so they just, they just don't become as efficient at trapping particles the longer you wear them. And they're asking, you know, they're giving nurses a mask to wear for five freaking days, you know, and it, like I, so it's one of my friends on Facebook says, yeah, I got a mask for the next five days. Like legit, she's a nurse in a hospital in Wisconsin. And that that's like, what? Like that there's that you may as well not even wear a mask. Like that's useless, you know? So this is, this is the, you know. Well, I've been seeing that some of the places they're wearing a mask and then wearing like a, a, a washable you know, handmade uh, cloth mask over the top of it because there's yeah. been so many people that have been, uh, you know, like utilizing patterns and stuff like that and making homemade masks and donating them and stuff. Right. And those are important. So, you know, they're important for you and I to wear because it helps us keep us from, if we're sick, from spreading it. And it's also important for doctors and nurses who have to reuse masks. They can put these in front of the mask and that kind of, limits the you know what can get on the mask itself so it kind of prolongs the life of the mask um by keeping it a little bit cleaner but again like it's not ideal you you really want to be using one mask for every patient um and not bouncing around so i mean i saw a hospital in uh i can't remember where it was but they hooked all the ivs up to like 30 foot long tubes and they have the IVs out of the rooms so that, you know, they don't have to go in and interact with the patient to, to change the IVs, to change the fluids out. Um, so they can oh. kind of create a, a separate, you know, uh, area for, so anyway, all the, all the IV bags, all the IV carts are outside the rooms instead of in the rooms um, to, to help reduce the contact between the, the a care provider and the patient. Um, because again, the more you're in contact, the higher the risk is for, uh, um, you know, whatever. Yeah, man, those, the medical professionals right now, I watched a video with, uh, it showed like a, a sped up time lapse of a guy putting on all of his PPE, mm-hmm. know, starting with like putting tape on his cheekbones and, I saw and that his, one. And his yeah. nose and stuff and then going all the way up to full gear. Yeah. Wow. And it's yeah. Like, Dude, what if all that happens? Then it's like, you're, you're like, Eye itches. Or the guy was wearing glasses under goggles. What if your glasses fog over? Like Dude. me, it's like if I wear heavy safety glasses, my glasses fog over. Like I, no, these guys, they have to go to work, and they cannot drink water all day. Well, yeah, that was the other and thing. They can't eat all day, so they never have to go to the bathroom. Um, so then, then you're just putting yourself at a disadvantage because you're not really you're totally caring. wearing yourself down and you're yeah. in an environment where yes. the virus is very prevalent. 
Yes. And yeah. man, they are really putting themselves at risk doing this. And yeah. And that's, and that's the other thing you keep hearing about ER doctors dying from the virus. And, um, I've, my thought on this is again, related to viral dosage. And, and I was reading a study that linked viral dose with, um, outcome with severity of the illness so basically, let's say one virus particle gets into your body and then it doubles to two and then to four and then to eight and then, you know, and it doubles and doubles and doubles as it spreads and infects. Well, if you start with one particle, it takes a long time for it to get up to a million particles, for example. Uh, and in that time, your body starts to recognize it and starts to get it under control, right? Um, whereas if you're exposed to a thousand particles right away or in a short time That's and they start multiplying very exponentially. Yeah. You're going to get to a million right away and then you'll be at a hundred million. And now your body's got to deal with a bunch more virus particles than it did, you know, if, it, if you would have been exposed to a little amount. So if you, you know, if you go to the grocery store and you walk through a cloud and you get, you know, 20 particles or something, yeah, you're going to get sick and, you, you know, you'll progress if you're a healthy kind of reasonably, you know, taking care of person, you're probably going to be fine. But if you have sustained contact with someone that has it and you get a, a lot of exposure, then, you know, this and again, this is me talking and based on what I've read, I don't know if this is true, but um, I think it is where, you know, you get exposed to a lot of virus. Um, you know, I think that's kind of the difference between people that are asymptomatic or people that are, um, you know, have severe symptoms is basically how, what is the viral load in their system? How many virus particles are there? And that has to do with how many were you exposed to right away? Um, did you get a lot of sleep? Were you tired when you got infected? Were you not eating well? Did you you know, was your immune system just, because for me, like I get one night of bad sleep, I get, you know, I have a good chance of getting a cold and, and it, it may be more like two nights in a row. I can get away with one bad night, but if I get two nights of bad sleep, I'm going to get a cold. You know, that's just how quickly your immune system can become weakened or susceptible uh, to an infection um, because, you know, you're not taking care of yourself and it's got other things, you know, your body's trying to focus on other things. You're tired or, you know, your immune system isn't getting recharged every night because you're not getting good sleep or whatever. So I think, you know, if you look at the spread of outcomes, there's all kinds of stories of all these people. Um, but then 80% of people don't go to the hospital and 50% of the people aren't even showing symptoms ever, you know, that's the scary it? ones too, is the ones that are yeah. just walking around, getting everybody around them sick and yeah. they yeah. they don't even know that they're sick. And you wonder. So for example, this year, about a month ago, I caught influenza A actually. Oh, yeah. And yeah. And it's the first time I think in my life I've ever had the flu. Oh, it's um, not fun, huh? No, it was not fun. And it was, I've never been that sick and I wasn't really sick. I was just like exhausted i was so tired i had a fever and my head hurt like crazy like headache um but i didn't take any you know and i well, i can't 
pyret pyretic i can't remember the word for uh you know anti-fever medications but um i didn't do any of that because the fever a higher temperature actually makes it less likely for the virus to replicate so it helps slow the replication which should reduce the severity of the illness um so i had this just pounding headache but anyway the point is like I don't, I, that was the first time in in my life, I'm 34 years old, that I remember maybe as a kid I got the, I don't know, maybe it was just a cold. I've never been that sick though. And I got tested, it was influenza A, coronavirus, but, and it was in or something. So I don't think we quite had the uh, coronavirus here yet. Dude, but, I, got, um, I got sick, super sick in January, like the entire month of January and into February, I was sick. Yeah. And, and it was all like that. I got tested and it wasn't the flu. I mean, when I went to the, I went to the doctor and you might've had coronavirus. Dude, you never know. Well, here's the crazy part. I have a yeah. coworker that goes to China all the time. Dude, I and bet you like, got it. I bet you got it. It, it, it could have been. But, I bet you got it. But I mean, it, it was terrible, dude. I had a cough for four or five weeks. Dude, you had it. It, it could have been. That's it. That's been. It. You you never know, but I mean, I mean, if you had a pretty serious illness like that, and it wasn't, and you got tested and it wasn't A or B, yeah, what else is there? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they gave me a Z, a Z pack and some. Uh, did you have Did you have pneumonia? No, I didn't have pneumonia. You never got there. Okay. Nope. Uh, they gave me a Z pack and some steroids uh, for my lungs. Yeah. And right. so I took the whole Z pack thing and and the steroids for my lungs, and I was like, I feel great. And then That's like three days, like three <laughs> within three days of of that being done, I, I felt terrible again. Yeah. And so then I I messaged my doctor's office and and told them that you know, hey, I finished the round and everything, still feeling pretty crummy and they're like oh okay we'll use flonase twice a day and, and see how that does you and it's like number one i used flonase once and it almost made me puke never again and so i'm like yeah yeah okay okay i'm, I'm not following that medical advice i'm sorry i'm not yeah. do, i'm not squirting shit up my nose i can't handle it right and uh and so i just kind of weathered it out and then within a couple of weeks i felt better but when mm. it was all said and done i was sick for six weeks and it was freaking awful but yeah like two or three years ago i did get the flu and I spent two days and I had taken two sleeping bags and zipped them together. So I was in one giant sleeping bag and yeah. I spent two days just shuffling around the house in that sleeping bag. Yeah. It's not and fun. It was, it was, it, it was the, like the most intensely sick I've ever been. But earlier this year was the longest I've ever been sick. Yeah. That's crazy. I, I, mean, I guess that... I really can't say it was the most intensely I've been sick. Cause when I was in middle school, I got super sick and they thought I had meningitis to the point oh. where they gave me a fucking spinal tap to check for it and everything. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and, you know, and I got the flu shot this year, but um, I guess it's not that. It was only like 40% effective. Um, and the nurse that I saw said they noticed that people who got the flu shot didn't have as severe symptoms. So I, maybe my flu could have been even worse. But, um, you know, the point is it's like, I've been kind of running myself hard lately and the, you know, the, I try to take pretty good care of myself and focus on sleep and, you know, um, making sure I'm, you know, my main thing is sleep. I don't eat a lot. Um, so my diet's probably not super great, but I just, so you just not getting enough sleep. Yeah. So, and so that was what was happening is I, I was just not getting enough sleep cause I was doing so much. And, uh, um, 
and and that just made me susceptible. So I think anyway, my point is like that influenza, you know, I've, I've, I haven't, I didn't really change anything that I've been doing this year. So I was still running in the same circles of people and still interacting with the same people, but I, I got it this year, you know? And, uh, and I think it would just had to do with, I was not really focusing on my sleep as much, or I was running myself a little bit harder. So, so I wonder about those 50% of people that are asymptomatic. Maybe they're just in a time in their life where they're getting okay sleep and they're, they're, you know, staying charged and, and healthy. And then the people that are getting it bad, they might be in sustained contact with someone and maybe they're not, you know, getting sleep or, or they're, they're maybe have a cold or like, you know, they're, they're fighting cancer or they have some other, you know, issue or something. So, um, yeah, there's so many like just wildly different variables in between people. Right. It's, it's, it's almost, yeah, you're talking about the same species and everything, but they could be drastically different. All the genetic changes, all the different ways their body, you know, responds to things and their diets and all the, you know, all these different, you know, symptoms that people have. Some people have GI symptoms, like some, some, there was a guy who's like, I got tested positive for COVID. I was just having diarrhea all the time. I'd heard that because somebody had been like, maybe that's why people are buying all the toilet paper. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Because they think it's a, they think it's a GI bug. It's only, it's only like one to 2% of the people, but he's like, I had none of the, I didn't have the cough. I never had a cough, but I was just, I was just really tired and I was throwing up and having diarrhea. He just had ass Corona. Yeah. Right. Ass Corona. (laughs) And, uh, well, you know, the funny thing is, is like they, um, um, oh my God, my dad just texted me a picture. Gas is a (laughs) dollar 39. That's such a dad thing to text. I I know. Right. (laughs) I know. You're not going to believe this. The price of gas. He, it was a text to my whole family. He says, doesn't matter to James and not too much for us because we're not driving too much. But this is nuts, thirty nine, and that's because I have an electric car. So, yeah, it doesn't matter. I was going to say that text message was great because I was like, I totally slipped my mind. That I have to get you talking about your Tesla. I got to hear about that yeah. at some point. Yep, yep. So, yeah, I don't – I you know, if I did drive a car, yeah, not, I should just buy like – gallons of gasoline and put it in my basement or something Uh, but when (laughs) i the end of road warrior i mean this is crazy because when i started driving in high school um in 2002 2003 um gas was like a dollar 28 so this is like the prices of gasoline when i you know like 20 years ago oh it's wild i filled up my forerunner yesterday for less than 20 bucks and that that's nuts. It was totally nuts. Nobody's driving. There's yeah, because nobody. Like, that's the awesome thing about supply and demand right now is some right. things are super plentiful and cheap. But right, I mean, this is crazy. Um. So yeah. Anyway, what now? <laughs> Tell me about your Tesla. What led oh. into that, and and what's your experience been with it, and wait, what what kind did you get? And so yeah, um, I got a Tesla. And I had been looking at wanting to get a an electric car for a while um, for, you know, reasons of, uh, you know, the environment or whatever. But I wasn't really serious about it. Um, and then I started to drive to um, Augustana College where I'm teaching. And I was looking at, you know, when I got the job there, I was looking at 
having to drive, you know, like hundreds of miles a day, right? Like 200 miles a day because I would drive there and back. So that's like 100 miles. And then a lot of windshield time. Yeah. And then I'd go up to Cedar Rapids and back. And so that's another 40, 50 miles. And so, you know, I was doing like 150 miles and I was looking at it and, you know, there was the Model 3. I never really considered a Tesla because I'm like, yeah, they're expensive or something. And I started, you know, my friend got a Tesla in California. And when I was out visiting him, I drove it. And that was a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard they're amazing to drive. Then I wanted it, um, which, okay, fine. Not a big deal. I I can suppress urges and desires. But it was a pretty strong, like, I just had this, like, serious disappointment in automakers. After that, like, what have you guys been doing the last 20 years? You know, like, why didn't anybody make something like this? Yeah, yeah, like, this is what all cars could really be like. Like, what do you do? Yeah. Seriously, and so I heard the I, takeoff on him is just unbelievable. Yeah, no, I mean it's just yeah. So, so anyway, I was talking to him about it, and then I ended up looking online. I went to their website, and I saw that they start at thirty eight thousand dollars. And I'm like, okay, thirty eight thousand dollars. That's a lot for a car, but that's kind of like the average kind of new car SUV price that's like the average price people are paying for cars like new cars yeah in, in the u.s like if you're gonna i mean a truck is what like 50 to eighty thousand dollars yeah easily uh, yeah and an suv is 20 20 to 40 in that range you know and so i'm like okay it's at the upper end and then i just i then what i did is i could just get you know spreadsheet jockeyed and just started <laughs> okay if i'm gonna drive you know, this much and gas is, you know, $4 a gallon or, you know, $3 a gallon or whatever it was, you know, two fifty dollars to $3 a gallon. And then oil changes, because you have to remember on a Tesla or an electric vehicle, there's no maintenance at all. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, you and I've been reading on the forums, people don't even need to do tire rotations uh, because they handle so well the load. Um you know, unless you're driving around in one circle all day, it it's pretty even wear. Um, and there there was one guy he's been taking every thousand miles his calipers out and just keeping track. And it's like you don't even have to rotate your tires. So um, that's incredible. Yeah, it's crazy. So I'm looking at okay, so really it's like the lazy car owner's perfect vehicle. Oh yeah, no, yeah. I mean, geez, it's it's like if you love driving and hate maintenance. It's the perfect car. <laughs> but if you like driving and fixing crap and getting dirty and stuff, yeah, you need, you, you're going to want to mess with an engine. But there's no part in this. It's like a battery and two electric motors. There's nothing to break, you know? And there's no belts. There's no fans. There's no, you know, none of that normal stuff. Uh, so I, I just started looking into it and I realized that the cost to drive, I was driving at the time of Mazda. The, which got like 36 miles per gallon. Like it's a decent, you know, car. But I was looking at the maintenance cost, the cost of paying gas. And I was like, whoa, I'm paying what it would cost me to own a Tesla in a, in a monthly payment because interest rates were so low, you know. So I just, I spent maybe like 
three weeks almost every day running the calculations and then uh and then I just was finally like okay and I was talking to Shelly about it and we were just like yeah okay let's do it because it's it's also the safest car in that they make like it's uh, of the safety crash tests there isn't a safer car you can buy um it has all the you know super advanced safety features uh that help you avoid you know collisions and all that stuff so um it was just like all the the fact that i was going to end up paying the same amount to drive my mazda if i bought this electric car um because when you when you buy it you get some free charging miles or whatever so if you charge at home it'll take you about seven hours to charge it um if you charge at a supercharger, have you ever been to one of those? No, seen I, I've seen them. Um, yeah. Have you found very many of them? No, there's only one in in Iowa City. It's in Coralville at the High V, okay. and then there's one in Davenport. So you're, they're not meant for daily charging. They're meant for road trips. Um, but I would charge on my way back from Cedar Rapids, for example. Like I would teach at Augustana, and then I'll go up and teach at Co. So my car gets about 300 miles, um, so two, 260 to 300 miles of range, somewhere in there, depending on conditions. Uh, so that was the other kind of tipping point was like, if I could road trip it, then I'm getting it. You know, like if I can road trip an electric car, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and if, so, it, if it has enough juice to get you to your destination and back. Yeah, so I can go to Des Moines, I can go to Chicago on a single charge, I can go, you know... I can go to Kansas City. It's close. It'd be cutting it close, but I could do it. Um, or you just stop and charge. So the supercharger, you can get like a hundred miles of extra range in like five minutes of charging. <laughs> wow. Yes, and then ten minutes will get you like a hundred and seventy. And if you want to go full uh, charge, it takes about twenty five thirty minutes to fully charge. So there. Because the the closer you get to full capacity, the longer it takes to charge, so it's uh, like slows down the charging rate. So the superchargers stations are spaced out all across the highways across the country. There's a whole network, so that you never have to stop more than ten minutes and charge as you road trip. So you could drive across the nation, and then every two hours you stop for ten minutes and charge. So it's like. Um, you know, you're going to stop anyway and you go pee or get a snack or whatever. And you, and the superchargers are all in these like really nice scenic locations. So you don't mind stopping there. Uh, you know, they really did a good job picking the sites and, and plotting it all out. So when I ran the numbers financially that I was going to spend the same amount of money to drive my gas car and maintain it. And then, you know, when you put miles on a gas car, you ruin it basically, you know, so, so I just, you know the resale value and everything just it it the tesla it, it's warranted for eight years or five hundred thousand miles holy shit that's an amazing warranty yes so you know there's very little depreciation <laughs> you know and <laughs> yeah, right I, I looked at buying a used tesla and it was like a thousand dollars cheaper and i'm like well that's i'm silly. not yeah, I'll just get a new one. Like, there's no point, you know. So they hold their value. They they're um, they're the they're the most amazing car you can drive. 
They are the funnest drive. Um, you can use the software. You can change how it handles. You can change whether it's tight or loose. You can change whether it accelerates quickly or slowly. You know, you can change everything to make it feel like you want it to feel, you know, sporty or more relaxed, whatever you want. That's so and futuristic. Do, do, it, uh, does yours have like the, the self-drive thing where you can set something yes, that pretty much I, it down the highway for you? Yes, it completely drives itself down the highway um, and I don't have to do anything. What's been and your experience with that so far? Oh, it's it's flawless. Um, it's just, yeah, it's great. I love it. Um, because, you know, like I started learning how to fly planes. I never started learning like... No shit? When were yeah, you doing but, Well, I just, I was doing simulators. So I never uh, got in an actual plane. I, I was going to, I'm still planning to learn to fly, but you need time to do it because of all the muscle memory. Um and uh, you want to do it, get all your trainings done right in a row. So you got to make sure you have the time to do it. Um, but uh, I, I got like the, the throttle and everything. And I was learning on X-Plane, like a, it's a, a flight simulator. And it's very, it's hyper realistic. So you got to do everything like in a real plane. Um, but I, I learned that with autopilot on planes, you have to set them, but when you set the autopilot, you don't, you, you focus on something else. You focus on how the plane is doing. You focus on where you're at. You focus on, you know, your, uh, fuel, you focus on things other than flying the plane. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's what I found with when I was, when I'm on autopilot, I'm, you know, if I, if you get on your phone or something, you're not paying attention to anything and that's dangerous. But if you're on autopilot where the car is driving itself and you're watching the road, you're actually tuned in more to what's going on around you and you're less distracted about the driving part of it. Yeah, exactly. So, because the car's handling that mundane task that you're doing. Yeah. But man, I, I guess it could be still super easy for people to get very distracted. Like, I wonder if humanity at large is ready to handle the responsibility of that. Yeah. No, you can't. Like, there's been some cases where the Tesla just crashes into something um and that's when people aren't paying attention and it gets into a situation that's not normal so um i i was not comfortable with autopilot until i made my trip to augustana a bunch and um which you know like a couple weeks in a row of doing it and then you learn that okay if you're on the highway and there isn't a lot of um uh, you know, if the highway is pretty much just a straight shot, like it is between Iowa city and, you know, <laughs> the quad cities, you're it's, yeah, there's not much that is going to confuse the system. So, uh, so you're pretty safe there, but if you're, you know, like these accidents, they happen on these kind of weird highways in like Florida or California where they're pretty complex and you got a lot of on-ramps and off-ramps and a lot of merging and unmerging and lane changings from three to four to three, you know, then that's a pretty complex and I would not be comfortable, uh, you know, trusting that system in a, in an environment like that. Um, if you're going to stay in a lane and not change lanes, it's a pretty reliable system. So, you know, I'm pretty impressed with it. And it's got like a visualization on the screen where it shows you what it sees, including the cars and even traffic cones and the lanes and everything. So you can just 
at a glance, make sure it sees what you see. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's a nice feature. Yeah, it's a mapping out the road. So, um, but you know, if I get into a construction zone, I keep it on, but I, I'm ready at any moment to to you know my hands are on the wheel and I'm ready to take control. So yeah, because um, don't but, you have to keep your hands on the wheel anyway while it's running. You or if you, you have to don't keep one on the wheel or you don't. Um, you don't, but every minute that you don't, it'll flash and say, Hey, you know, put your hands back on the wheel and then you have to apply a little pressure. So it knows your hands on the wheel. Um, and if you wait, squeezing the steering wheel, not squeezing, but like rotating it. Oh, so, okay. So you apply a little pressure and <laughs> it, it'll always come out and be like, stop driving angry. Why right. are you squeezing so, that wheel so hard? <laughs> right. So what I do is I kind of, I'll put my hand on the wheel and kind of weight it just a little bit. So it's comfortable for me. And that puts a little bit of torque on the wheel. Um, and that, uh, um, uh, that torque keeps it from, uh, you know, thinking your hands aren't on the wheel. Um, and if, if you apply just a little bit more torque, it'll disengage the system and then you, you'll take control. So, uh, so at any moment you can, if it tries to turn, you can just not let it and it won't, you know, and it'll disengage the system. But and otherwise then, you just hold on it. You just feel the wheel turn and you just kind of let your hand yep. go with it. Wow. Yep. yep. Dude, yep. it's so futuristic. I love it. It's, yeah, no, it's really, it's the way every car should be, frankly. And, and, uh, you know, and I get why, you know, my Mazda could do that theoretically. I'm sure it could, but it it's not something they trust people yet to do. So, you know, Tesla does it and it's a little bit risky, but um, as long as you are, you know, doing it right, it's not a, it's not that much of a risk. Yeah. So, I, I've, I've listened to experts on I it on different it. podcasts. Uh, yeah. talk about some of the areas that are problematic with them. And one of the ones that freaks me out is the the software updates thing to where it's like, yeah, yeah it's like if, if something's, you know, messed up in that code and it's not really tested before it's just goes out and it just updates through Wi-Fi, like, man, that could, that could be kind of freaky. And yeah, there, there's definitely some really, really freaky, like, sci-fi scenarios that could happen with a car like that you know with like, yeah. some, like somebody taking it over and and driving you into tree at like 150 miles an hour or totally. or you know taking control totally. at a railroad track and driving you in front of the chain and then train and then locking the doors and, and putting it in park or some shit like that you know yeah and you know there's no reason to believe that that's not possible because you know, my car, it updates over the air. It's got LTE on it, so you can browse the web from it. Um, you can uh, lock and unlock it from anywhere in on the planet using your phone. So it, that means if I can do it, anybody can do it. Um, you know, I, you can actually take your phone out and move the car with your phone. What? So you can... Yeah, you can tell it to go forward or backwards or like, for example, if it's stuck in a, the the idea of that is you're in a parking spot that's too tight for you to get in. You can back your car out so you can get into it, you know, or uh, someone was using it to like bounce back and forth between parking okay. meters. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> their really office funny. window. They just went forward and backwards so they didn't overstay their limit. Um, but yeah, anyway. But yeah, no, I, I mean, 
so apart from that potential major security issue, it's a, it's a really wonderful, amazing vehicle. And I have not had any, I haven't had any issue with it. I haven't had any issue with running out of quote unquote fuel. And you just, you know, you know, as long as you're aware of where your superchargers are, it doesn't take long to just stop and, and zap it up, you know? So, um, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan now. So So. one of the things that's been, uh, I've been keeping an eye on lately and I think it's been really fascinating is what's been going on with Beetlejuice and I'm not talking the movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah. It's a, was a super massive, was it like a red giant or. <laughs> We're gonna take a quick break here, real quick, and then we'll get back. And I'm gonna ask James about this star. <laughs> okay, BRB. All right, we're back. Okay, so hi, hi Joe. <laughs> so before we broke there, I was stumbling over what type of star Beetlejuice is. Yeah. So, uh, um, uh, stars. Let's talk about stars. What is a star, right? Okay, so you have a star. Um, if you get, is it, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a story, Joe, <laughs> about the history of stars. Nice. So, so Earth is you know made of dirt and trees and rocks. Okay, iron, uh, things like that, metals heavier elements. If you look at the periodic table of elements, right? Um, what you find floating around here, carbon, oxygen, um, and then silicon and uranium and iron and all that stuff. Those are heavier elements on the, um, heavier elements on the periodic table. So the thought was the turn of the century, 1800s, 1900s, um, the sun is probably made out of the same stuff. Okay, like if we're talking about the formation of the solar system, we formed, the sun formed. The sun's just a lot more, you know, yeah, and so yeah. it's, it's just huge and it's just hot. Well, because all the other and, matter that's in the universe was basically created in prior supernova and stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah, and we don't know that at the time, right? So we're trying to piece together. Basically, we're trying to understand what the sun is and how it works. So the thought was that it was um, burning like coal, like it's just on fire. So it's like if the earth was on fire. So that was one thought. And they did the calculation. They're like, oh, it would burn out in like 10 years or something, you know, like a really short amount of time. So they're like, um, you know, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'll say, I think our sound cut out a little bit there. Yeah. Um, the uh those notifications coming through on your end or mine i can't yeah I'm, I'm, I'm hearing i think i'm hearing them from you i don't think i don't think mine's dinging um uh fun stuff yeah stars. so stars stars i love stars <laughs> anyway they're trying to figure out how stars work and what they did there was a, a woman who uh studied the spectrum of stars and realized they're made out of like 90% hydrogen and helium. 
Okay. And when she published it, she says, well, clearly I did a mistake. This is clearly wrong because there's no way the sun is primarily a gas, you know, like hydrogen or helium. It just doesn't make any sense because they assume that it would be mostly uh, planets or whatever, uh, like, like planets. Uh, and so then we realized slowly when they measured all the stars and more and more and more, and they realized, whoa, they are made of hydrogen. Then they had to figure out what made a star work. And the way a star works is by fusing hydrogen into helium. And that wasn't until Einstein made E equals MC squared a thing before we understood what fusion was. And that was the ability to turn matter into energy. And so helium is uh, a little bit lighter than four hydrogen atoms. And it takes four hydrogen atoms to combine to create helium. And that difference in mass is released as pure energy. So when you turn a hydrogen atom or several hydrogen atoms into helium, you have some leftover mass, which is released as pure energy. And that energy is what you see when you look at the sun or what you feel. Okay, so E equals MC squared. And then um, anyway, so that that process of understanding what drives the sun leads to its evolution and its fate. And so once you run out of hydrogen to burn, what happens to the star? Okay, so as it's burning hydrogen, it's building up what we call helium ash in the core because hydrogen is turning into helium via fusion and it's just building up at the core because that's it's got no other place to go. Once it runs out of hydrogen, the helium will start to fuse. And helium, when it fuses, it releases more energy than the hydrogen. So the star swells up to a bigger size. And uh, that's what Betelgeuse, that's the phase that Betelgeuse is in right now. It's a red giant. So it has run out of hydrogen burning in its core. Uh, it has a, a shell of hydrogen burning faster and faster around a helium core, or maybe the helium is fusing. I'm not quite sure my, myself what stage Betelgeuse is in, but it's beyond what we call the main sequence. It is no longer a main sequence star. It is a red giant near the end of its life. Yeah, okay. It's going to run through more elements until it hits iron, right? Yeah. And so it will fuse. Uh, I don't know how fast that process is going to go. Well, we do. I mean, it doesn't take long. We don't know when it's going to start. So uh, we know right now it is in the late stages, but it could be anywhere from tomorrow or a hundred thousand years from now. Uh, before it it starts that cascade, um, and then once it does that, yeah, it will explode as a supernova and then leave a uh, either a neutron star or a black hole behind um, for us to admire. That's so awesome. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and Betelgeuse is in the um, Orion constellation. That's right. That you can usually southwest. see. Sorry. Yep, southwest, right? I said top left. I don't know. Yeah, top uh, left. Yeah, it's it's yeah. definitely in the southern sky. But yeah. no, I'm sorry. If you look at the constellation, there's usually the four stars in the belt. It's the top left of the of the <laughs> yes, four stars. Gotcha. It is it is visible all year round at various different times of the night. Yeah, so it could be early evening or early morning or the middle of the night, depending on whatever. Yeah, because that's the constellation I always look for. And then I kind of trace out, go right a little bit. I'm like, okay, where's the Pleiades? I know I'm barely going to be able to fucking see it because my eyesight's so terrible. Yeah. Yep. That's a really cool constellation. 
with Which with one? a lot of really neat history on the of uh, the Pleiades. Oh yeah, Subaru logo. You know that? It's a what? The Subaru car. Oh, that's what it is. No shit. Yeah, that's the Seven Sisters. Yep, that's what they call it. That's the, so awesome. Seven stars. Yep. Yeah, I've heard lots of little different things about it that that they used to use that as like the the eye test if you could be a, in the Roman army. You know, like depending on how many stars you could see and shit like that. That's the Big Dipper. Oh, it was the Big Dipper that was used for that? Yeah, the Big Dipper. Um, one of the stars is a double star, uh, Miser and Alcor. And, uh, oh, I think I'd heard that before. Yeah, because most star systems are binary, right? Yes, yep. And that's a that's one that you can actually see with your naked eye if you are an archer in the Roman army. Um, <laughs> that's amazing. That's really cool. Yeah, and if you look, you can – I mean, if you have decent vision or if it's corrected with glasses, you can uh, – I think most people – Depends how foggy and blurry the night is, but if it's a clear night, um, you can see on the, if you look real close, you go, oh, there are two stars right next to each other. And those are two stars that are orbiting each other. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah. 85% of the stars out there, uh, I think is the current rough estimate are at least binary systems, if not more stars. So like the nearest neighbor to us, uh, Alpha Centauri, that system um that's actually a three star system um there's two two kind of orbiting each other and then a third one orbiting the pair of them and that's the the closest star system to us and um you know our solar system jupiter is made out of basically the same composition as the sun and it's about if it was about 13 times bigger it would be a brown dwarf which is kind of like a an almost star it's a type of star. Um, it has some fusion, but not helium fusion. Uh, so it would glow like kind of a deep purple or red. Um, the If it was 80 times bigger, it would be a star. Um, it would be a small star, but it would be a star. So we could have, conceivably, we could have had two stars in our sunset and sun, you know, in our sky, uh, but uh, which would have been wild. That would be but, wild. I mean, but yeah. I mean, that's what so many like you know planets in the in the universe probably see. You get that dope yeah. tattooed yeah. sunset. Exactly. No, absolutely. Most planets do see that. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> so it's really really wonderful, actually. Speaking but, of the dope tattooed sunset, what did you think of Rise of Skywalker? Uh, is that the one with the desert and the blood? The desert oh, the red. and the blood. Is the the episode nine the newest uh, Star Wars? Yeah, is that the newest one? Yeah, where they have the sand battle at the very end. Um, where there's all the red and they stain the they stain the. No, uh, that's Last Jedi. You're thinking of the Last Jedi. That was the the battle on crate at the end where it's like on the. Oh stars. yeah. Okay. Yeah that that was uh, Last Jedi. So that was episode eight. Rises. Which one does spoiler alert Han Solo die in? <laughs> that's Force Awakens. <laughs> So that was oh, episode seven. That's seven. Okay. And then the bloody battle is eight. Uh-huh. And then nine, uh, Rise of Skywalker was just released on digital recently. Did they release it in the theater? Yeah. Yeah. It was in the theater like uh, before Christmas. So it released like mid-December. Did I see this? Did I not see it? I'm thinking you might have missed it. <laughs> Are you kidding? Uh, uh, holy crap. Have I not seen this yet? Yeah, it's like a three-hour fucking Star Wars movie, too. 
Oh man, dude, it's on digital digital right now. I'll, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll check it out. But I I, I thought I remember <laughs> seeing it and so being we, disappointed, or maybe I just read that there everybody was disappointed. I don't know. A lot of people didn't like it. I I just went into it with and and I I liked it. I really did. Yeah. But like. Yeah. Like a lot of the the negative complaints that that people had, and it's like, all right, I I really can't refute that. But to me, it's like I, that didn't bother me at all. I I didn't care. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I just, th- I just thought it was a fun ride. But like all yeah. the things that people pointed out, I'm like, that's that's a very valid point. I just didn't care. Yeah, but, right. But right. also at the time, I had been doing like a huge Star Wars deep dive. Like I yeah. I had watched all of the Clone Wars. I had rewatched all the movies. I almost watched all of rebels at that point. I did a huge comic book dive on them too, where I read like well over a hundred issues of star Wars comics. It's just, so by the time I saw it, I was in like complete star Wars brain. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and so I was, you know, I, I, so, I, I, I was just like gaga yeah. over it. I, I really liked it in, to the point where when I came out of the theater, like I was thinking like, I, I still think it's maybe the most entertaining movie out of the new trilogy. But uh, what, what were you about to say there before I just start rattling about Star Wars? Yeah. If I can be honest, my favorite, uh, I haven't seen, I, I haven't seen the Lando Han Solo story yet. Um, Most people would tell you to skip it, but yeah, but I, I, I found it entertaining. Yeah. But my favorite Star Wars movie since the original Star Wars, those three 70s. I mean, I think those are some of the best movies ever made, in my opinion. Yeah, the original trilogy. Oh, my God. Just everything about it, just I love it. The soundtrack, the feel, the quips, the characters, everything is just the sets. Everything is great. The creativity. Um, uh, I... Since then, I've been extremely disappointed, or at least, yeah, it's fine, with every Star Wars film that has come out. Um, the the prequels, I I don't think I've even watched them all because they were just so bad. Like, I just, <laughs> there's just nothing redeeming about them. I reached, I rewatched all of them, like, uh, two times each like, what did you in, think? in November. Yeah. And because I was of that opinion for a really long time. With the prequels, yeah. yeah, and and I came around on them. Do, do, I mean, they're, they're what? fine, but it's not the same, in my opinion. The same kind of the the writing that they did to portray the the budding relationship between Anakin and Padme in Attack of the Clones is is just atrocious, and there's no yeah. excuse for right. any of it. Uh, from right. the beginning, it's it just put Hayden Christian and Christensen into this box where he was just acting like this lovesick creepy stalker almost and it's like yeah. dude, well why did you start from that point why didn't you just start the movie from oh yeah it's you know we we met when i was a little kid and and now yeah. i'm seeing you and now we're stuck together and then through the course of that they fall in love but no from the very beginning it's like he's super like clammy hands shaking like i must have her and it's just so fucking spooky and yeah and i think i think from subsequent uh, interviews and stuff that I've read later on is that a lot of that magic that was in those first three movies w- was due to that cast 
in the fact that George or um, Harrison Ford had zero qualms with telling George Lucas, look, dude, you can write this shit, but you can't say it. So yeah. I'm not saying what you wrote. I'm saying right. it the way that I think Han Solo would say it. And so like he right. had a big, he had the, enough of that big dick energy to get away with it. Right. Whereas right. like, you know, these people in the prequels, it's like, nobody's arguing with George Lucas at this point. They're just no. letting him have, Every stupid idea. Right. Do you know at one point he pitched, he spitballed the idea of a Sith Lord named Darth Wilson? Darth Wilson. Are you right. shitting me? It's like okay. George Lucas is, is rad and he's given us some of the best nostalgic shit from my childhood and some of, one of my favorite properties of all time. But right. man, he also has some stankers of an idea that need to be reined in at times. <laughs> Yeah, that is so weird. Darth Wilson, I, I, fuck that. <laughs> I don't under, I don't I don't understand I don't understand George Lucas um because the Star Wars trilogy, the original and the Indiana Jones trilogies trilogy is those two franchises are like some of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, agreed. I would like, totally agree I, with that. I can watch them over and over and over again. And so obviously George Lucas is a good storyteller and writer and, you know, but what, I don't know I, how much of it was George Lucas and how much of it was Steven Spielberg and how much of it was, you know. Yeah, it was it, Harrison it, Ford. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I yeah, the the powerful characters that those the, the personalities of those original, that cast. I mean, I think he just got lucky with Star Wars and then um, that gave him something with, and then he got lucky again with Indiana Jones with uh, with Spielberg getting in on there. And then to find freaking John Williams, I mean, geez, there's nobody that writes music like John Williams. So um, oh, the stuff John Williams did for Star Wars is, is holy just amazing. Cow. I just, also, I, I mean, that's one thing you gotta say about the about the prequels is Duel of Fates is one of the best freaking pieces in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. So you know, whatever. But my point is, all right. So what I was gonna say is, my favorite movie of all of the Star Wars spinoffs and continuations since the original trilogy is Rogue One. Nice. That's, yes. that's that's one of the best ones, man. It's in my opinion, it has one of the best scenes in all of Star Wars in that uh that Vader scene at the end. Oh my god. <laughs> it's so Seriously. Intense. It's so that, amazing. Like that had Star Wars that was that's the only movie that of the of the ones and I have again I haven't seen the Han Solo story yet and I want to, but um that that one the Rogue One had the Star Wars energy you know, the kind of, the more fun, you know, some, some people criticize the characters a little bit or some, I don't know. I, I liked, I liked everything about it and I thought it was well paced and I thought it, it kind of, I mean, and then the scene at the, you know, when they're trying to get into the, the, through the force field and then you got the battle in space and oh, the battle on land. Amazing. Holy crap. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> When Admiral Raddus calls up the calls up for a hammerhead Corvette and he pushes God. that dead star destroyer. Oh my yes. god. Fucking amazing. Yes. Like, I mean, that kind of creativity and fun and just do I mean, just it was yeah, I just loved it. Because you know if, the, if you liked that Vader scene, I need to recommend a comic book for you 
Oh, you sure, should yeah. totally check out. There's a comic writer named Charles Charles Soule, S O U L E, and he wrote a 25 issue run of Darth Vader. It's called Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith. Okay. And it's fantastic. It picks up right after. It picks up right at the end of Revenge of the Sith. So right okay. when he first wakes up from getting the Vader armor grafted onto his body, realizes Padme's dead. Boom, that's where this comic book picks up. Nice. It's incredible, and all of it is like, it's Vader the way he is in that scene at the end of Rogue One, where he is just full of fucking rage, and he wants the galaxy to pay yep. for for his rage. And yep. it's so awesome, dude. And it goes for 25, 25 issues. And, yeah. And wraps up pretty good. I, I don't know. You, you, I know I know you're pretty busy. You don't have a lot of time. But if you got time to get some comic book reading in just for fun, yeah. highly recommend that one for you, dude. Sweet. But yeah, I mean that I mean that segue from that Rogue One into A New Hope. It's like you could you could just watch A New Hope right after that. You know? Oh, it's totally. Just, it's just like that's what it should be if you're going to extend the Star Wars universe. Yeah, let's do that. Tie it in, you know. So, I don't know. There's just, I think you know the the new Star Wars films lacked in my thing creativity, you know, and those little fun moments that make Star Wars what Star Wars is, and not just another space movie. It's a soap opera. It's a space opera. You know, yeah. You need you need the characters, but you need the fun and the wild and the creativity and. The, you know what did they call it? A, a, a space opera mixed with a western, you know, yeah, cowboy yeah, western, yeah, spaghetti thing, western, spaghetti western. Yeah, spaghetti yeah. western space opera. You know, like you know these gunslinging crazy people fighting around, but love yeah. stories and and whatever. And well, I'd say that uh, the, the new movies did have some of the. I had, I think they had a lot of the fun moments in them, but mm-hmm. I think the what. The the newest trilogy, so, you know, episodes seven, eight, and nine, I think what they really lacked was a cohesive plan from the beginning. That's what I mean. It's yeah. like, come on, if you're setting out from the beginning, you know you're making a trilogy. Why right. didn't you have a solid outline? Because there was just so much stuff that, that Disney did along the way that I can understand why it soured some fans. Right. And, and, and when they saw things like that in the movie, they focused on that rather than just letting their mind go and just enjoying it as a Star Wars ride, which, which I was able to do. But at the same time, I also totally understand that, yeah, for Disney, I think they were just trying to get some hits. I think they were trying to recoup on this $4 billion investment that they made in buying this franchise. And, right. and I think they had some really good ideas, but the direction that they went with last Jedi versus the way they finished out. A lot of people will rightly say that the last Jedi feels like an apology to the people who hated the last Jedi, because a lot of people hated the last Jedi. The last Jedi is very different from every other star Wars film. I mean, like Ryan Johnson made like a legit film with with that. And, and that pissed off a lot of people. Right. So, you know, and that's, clearly one of those things that Disney does is they worry about their image and they react based on what the, the zeitgeist at the time is saying, like with them firing James Gunn for like the dumbest yeah. fucking reason. Oh my play. God. And all it did was push him over to Warner brothers. Do you know, James Gunn is, is doing suicide squad too. 
Yeah. And so James Gunn's going to be releasing a DC movie, and then he's also going back to Marvel to do Guardians of the Galaxy 3. And it's like, yeah, wow, they basically set him up to like make money on both sides of the fence. And it's if he really kills it with DC, he could go over to fucking Warner Brothers and be a king if they just leave him alone and let him knock out good ideas. I, no, that was like one of those, like, I get, you know, the, the quote unquote cancel culture or whatever. Um, like that was one that was like house. You had to be pretty stupid to think that that was going to snowball, you know, like for Disney to do that, you're kind of like, really? Yeah. Like, I don't think that you this really is going gonna... to, that so many people are going to be pissed off about tweets that James Gunn made a fucking decade ago. That were obviously... about. Yeah. And now you're not going to let him make guardians of the galaxy three where it's like the guardians of the galaxy movie. They went from who the fuck knew who the guardians of the galaxy was. Right. I, I didn't. The first time what I saw the trailer, I thought it looked fucking ridiculous. I'm like, they have a fucking raccoon carrying raccoon, a machine gun? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. that's fucking stupid. And then, right. like, you know, I get done fucking climbing out in the gym one night, and I come in, and everybody's asleep, and it's on FX. And I mm. watch Guardians of the Galaxy for the first time, and I'm like, this is the best fucking Marvel movie Dude. yet. It's like it's like that's what I wanted the new Star Wars movies to be like, you know. <laughs> no, I, I mean, can totally get that. Yeah, not quite as silly, but <laughs> I mean, the, they're very silly. You know, you don't want to hear Han Solo talking about how if you put a black light in the Millennium Falcon, it'd look like a Jackson <laughs> Pollock. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So <laughs> no, but that, but that, I mean, just the the the. the the interplay of the characters, the creativity, the fun of it. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, uh, yeah. Wow. This is crazy. I just saw that HBO is going to allow you to stream 500 hours of free shows. What? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I should probably cancel my HBO for a couple months. That shit. I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's like one of my most expensive streaming services. Fucking yeah. YouTube. YouTube premium has the gall to charge like fucking $12 a month. Dude. It's, it's like, you yeah. fuckers, you won't even give me season two of Wayne. Yeah. $12. But God, I, I, we, I, I listen to music a lot on YouTube and I really like not having the ads in between songs. So. Yeah. They get yeah. me $12. God damn them. <laughs> 12. Buckaroos. <laughs> you skip lunch for, for you skip lunch uh, out at work one day of the week. And it's like, there's your $12. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's the, that's the crazy thing about this, uh, this economic issue. And this is like, uh, what has been, worrying me is um you know these bailouts um for companies it's not necessary and i you know and i don't want to say bailouts and blah 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 or whatever and sound like a prank or something but no any the people need bailouts the people that any, need to pay their fucking mortgage and buy groceries and all that shit yeah like any company that's established should have access to loans and they shouldn't need the government to provide those. Um, there is so much money out there and, you know, the regular people who make those companies valuable, by the way, 
because without consumers, those companies aren't valuable because nobody's buying their crap. So the consumers need, they literally need a bailout because the government is forcing them to not work. And, you know, the government needs to say, hey, in exchange for you not going to work, we're going to give you your paycheck. And that's not, you know, socialism or communism or any ism. It's monetary policy in a crisis. Well, yeah, so, they, they think that they're going to incentivize people to not work. It's like, well, when all this is wrapped up, people will fucking get back to work, bro. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, um, it's, it's, yeah. So shitty. And, and you know, and I, so th- this $2 trillion package, it's like, okay, well, you know, a few hundred billion dollars are going into Americans' pockets, 1200 bucks a month. That's not nothing. That's something. It's not a lot, but it's something. Um, hopefully it covers a mortgage, for example. I think that's what they're mainly worried about. Um, but I don't know. That's, that's, and it's not going to be enough because we're going to be into June probably. Well, yeah. Before, before things, and you know, people are going to have to start looking for jobs and it's going to take time for the economy to sort of kind of rig itself back up. So, you know, they're going to need another month probably of, of paycheck. Um, but then, then there was $500 billion for mortgage forgiveness for up to, I think it's a year. So if you have a federally backed mortgage, um, and this is in the package, if you have a federally backed mortgage, then you can apply to not pay it for up to 12 months. So that's, that's one of the relief. That's $500 billion of that $2 trillion package. Yeah. Um, that's only half of the mortgages and, uh, but it's not nothing. So that's, that's an important thing. So that'll help people not lose their house if they have a, but uh, not doing anything to help people who are renting. It does nothing to help renters at all. And the 1200, a lot of people rent, most people rent, uh, $1,200 a month. Uh, do most people, I, I think, renters versus buyers owners um i don't know what the statistics of that are i think there's more either i think more people rent than own but i think for a while um more people owned than rented uh only uh renters became the majority population in 22 big cities so there are more uh, renters than owners. Um, wow. Oh, that's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Is this real? 97% of Americans from 2006 to 2016, 97.1% of people born or added to the U.S. from 2006 to 2016 97.1% of them are renters. So 23 million Americans rent out wow. of 600,000 owners of the increase in um, the change, the population growth. The population of almost a quarter of the 100 U.S. cities changed from homeowner, homeowner to renter majority between 2006 to 2016. Yeah, okay, so yeah. It's uh, about 50% renters to 
it was about 50-50, but now it's like 60-40 renters to owners. So um looks like renters are the, yeah, so that's going to be a huge freaking problem because renters already live paycheck to paycheck, like most people, um, in terms of having cash, right? Uh, so that's, that's a, that's a huge problem, man. Yeah. $1,200. I mean, granted, you know, if you're married or if, you know, two adults in the household, each, that's 2400, each adult's yeah. going to get 1200 And then if you have children, 500 for 500. each child. Yeah. It's still just a, just a one-time thing where it's like, this could very well potentially go on for more than a month. And it's already yeah. been going on enough with some people that, that they're already in trouble. And that money is still probably a few weeks away at best. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit, Joe. What the fuck? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, we were going all lighthearted there. It's all Marvel movies and shit. And we start talking like, Oh, we dipped back into it. <laughs> uh, so this is what it's like to live in pre depression and world war times. So we're going to have the 1918 pandemic followed by a depression leading to an outbreak in world war. Okay, great. Yeah. Hope not on that last one. Yeah. This is. I hope that a fucking world war is something that humanity as a whole is smart enough to not repeat. When you have people like Donald Trump, Vladimir Putin, Boris Johnson, Duterte, and Xi Jinping, you know, and whoever dumbasses in Australia, these people don't know how to manage things. And this pandemic is an example of this because their strategy was, eh, let it happen because they don't understand things. So maybe that can be one of the positives that come out of this is that it sheds enough, it sheds enough light on something that's really ugly that, well, I hope so, but it could also mean that people learn the wrong lessons and we blame China for it and go to war or something, you know, and, and Donald Trump leads us there. Oh, they gave us this virus because he's about to get, you know, voted out. So he's got to, Oh, we'll get them back. <clears throat> and then that starts something. Who knows? Oh, it's Jesus. Like, it's like disappointed. <laughs> so I couldn't help it. So yeah, I mean, you worry about it. You worry about what people are, and you hope. And you know, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's crazy. <laughs> well, crazy. all we can all we can do is just, I mean, keep your head up. Do the best you can day to day. Keep washing your damn hands and God, I guess stay away from freaking places where it could be a virus cloud. Fuck Dude, that. That's going to mess with I, me now. Yeah. I've been thinking about just carrying one of those little fans <laughs> <laughs> blowing the air around me just away, you know, <laughs> just to dilute it a you little. wear a suit of all fans pointing away from you yes. everywhere you go. But I mean, then people would be like, well, what about you? You're like, I'm just going to breathe my own farts all day. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a hilarious place to leave this off. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, you keep yep. reading those thoughts all of TTYL. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yes, sir. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Oh, well, boy. no, but but uh, for real, dude, I'm glad that this came together the way it did. It was extremely short notice. We were just texting about it last night, and about what? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. show. Yeah, yeah, totally. I was looking forward to it. It's a nice, <laughs> a nice distraction from the crap I've been doing. So yeah, I bet. Yeah, for, I mean, for me, everything's still been pretty much the same. Going to work every day like usual, and yep. um, sounds like I'm gonna be working from home soon. So I'll be. In that, just roaming around the house mode pretty soon. Now you're a um, you do uh, sales, is that right? Now, yeah, I pretty much just sit in an office and, and field emails and stuff all day. Cool. And cool. and it, it's that that's a perfect is, work from home job. Yeah, and like parts of the industry that that I'm in have have started to slow down from what I've been hearing, but but my my individual workload is, is not at all. <laughs> yeah. So so I'll be keeping extremely busy whether whether I'm working from a home office or or from my office that's that's in the building but mm-hmm. um but yeah, so man, the for the short term here, I guess we're just going to have to keep an eye on everything and try to be try to be the smart ones because there's people out there that definitely aren't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in, in choices. Right. <laughs> in choices we're making that is um, yeah but yeah dude it's been great to talk to you again and um it sounds like we're all gonna have a lot of time on our hands so we'll have to do this again pretty soon yeah let's do it again <laughs> <laughs> uh do you want to plug anything before we kick out of here uh oh you know what for those listening at home if you are bored i created uh, so I had to move all my classes to online classes. So I am taking this opportunity now to create online courses of the classes I teach. Nice. And the recommendation by all the overlords is to re- reduce the um, rigor of your classes don't have your expectations as high as they would have been in normal classes. Uh, so I decided, okay, well, I'm just going to make entry level and there are already intro classes, but I'm going to make intro intro level online classes and I'm going to make them on a platform that anybody can take. So, um, right now the only people registered for my classes are students of mine. Um, but if you wanted to, learn about I'm I've got a entry level uh, E&M class which actually will require that's more of an undergraduate physics major course so that'll be a little bit um more advanced but then I've got an intro astronomy and an intro just physics course so for anyone that has ever wanted to take a college level physics course but an easy one then go to fundamentalsofphysics.teachable.com and uh, I think, yeah, fundamentals-of-physics.teachable.com. And that's my school. And if you uh, create an account, you can see the three courses I'm offering. So if you want to take those for fun. <laughs> nice. Are those free? Those are free. Yep. Yeah, so, get after it, people. In, uh-huh. Intro to physics and intro to astronomy. Yep. Fantastic, so, dude. Yep. So, and, you know, you might want to register and then wait to take it till after this semester is over because I'm still uploading all the content. Um, 
but it'll, or if you start taking it now, by the end of the semester, all the content will be there. So that's cool. How long does that content stay? Oh yeah. Forever. It'll be up forever. Oh, that's, that's what awesome. I wanted. Yeah. I wanted to do it that way rather than try to, you know, if I have to teach another online course at some point, I can just use this rather than have to re-upload to some private, you know, MOOC on a, uh, that sounds like a, a racist <laughs> term. That was like a MOOC, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, like it's like massive open online course or something. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> uh, that's a really sad acronym <laughs> right um so anyway i didn't want to upload them all onto like a private server and then have to redo that if i do it at a different college or something so i'm like i'm gonna find an op- a platform that i can upload these things on and and go from there that's very cool yeah i'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get that link from you and make sure it's uh all down correctly and stuff and put it in the show notes to make it more easily accessible for mm-hmm. listeners as well yeah cool man this has been awesome thank you so much yeah. james it was fun Talk and to you soon. absolutely oh, yeah. dude and thank you all very much for listening until next time this has been start cast <laughs>